0: Welcome to the Vertigoise show. I'm Eric. I'm Sean. And we're the Vertigoise. We're checking out the dark side of DC. We're here to recap and review Vertigo comics, starting with the big three Sandman, Hellblazer, Preacher. And today we have a Sandman episode, and we actually have a special guest to share with you all. We've got Neil Gaiman in the studio today.
1: Greetings, travelers. It's me, Neil Gaiman, author, writer, Storyteller, Dreamweaver, Spinner of Dark Fantasies. Thank you for having me, guys. We're terribly excited to
0: have you here, obviously. Thank you for writing such great comics. Um, Is it true that every one of the Sandman issues
1: is based on a real-life experience of yours? Absolutely. It all comes from me mind and from me life experiences. And me Nameless Cat can tell you that.
0: You've had a terrifying (laughs)
1: life, sir. She's here with me now. (laughs) Nameless Cat, tell them. Did you understand what she said? I haven't studied cat in a long I time.
0: I didn't.
1: It was at least three paragraphs. I can't transpose it here, but she said yes.
0: Is the reason that you can speak cat and I can't because I didn't read the graveyard book? Is that,
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. is that <laughs> well, where in the, read the graveyard book? It's where in the secrets <laughs> I can't lie. I believe you just admitted to Neil you... Gaiman and you haven't read the graveyard book. Well, hasn't let's... read it yet.
0: I haven't read a Nancy Boy's either.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, you're getting on my bad side, oh, thin ice a with a guy.
0: <laughs> thin ice with Neil Gaiman. Yeah.
1: This is how you end up turning a doorknob and just disappearing. It could happen to any of us, but especially you.
0: Fair enough. Okay, questions for Neil Gaiman. <laughs> I did not prepare thoroughly for That's an okay. interview. <clears throat> so
1: you're reading me books today. What? I heard me Sandman stories, correct?
0: Yeah, some of the best ones.
1: I agree, they're all the best ones for me, but these especially...
0: Let me ask you about Morpheus. Did you actually encounter a dark figure with stars for eyes in your dreams? Oh, no,
1: no, no. That's me. That's me. Oh, of course. Yes.
2: Of course. Like yes. a
1: metaphor? No, no. He's me. He's me. He looks just like me. Have you noticed? He has frizzy black hair, totally black eyes with sparkles inside of them. He wears elaborate outfits with frills and such. It's just like me, as you see me right now. New Gaiman. You do have
0: like, this cloak that's doing... Like it's,
1: weird things. It's sticking it... to colors that don't exist in natural reality, so it's quite impressive. It's
0: very, very it, hard to describe. I bet it would look even better if I had read the graveyard book.
1: It would. You've probably not seen it in its full glory. Whereas the other bit of guy certainly has. There are, of course, colors that you can't see unless you've had
0: certain experiences, read certain books. Maybe I... a claw shrimp could see them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Our> claw shrimps <laughs> can see many things. They can see the name of my cat looking above its head. <laughs> calm down you can see
0: above the ultraviolet and into your heart so if dream is you if morpheus is you yes were you also imprisoned from 1918 until 1986
1: exactly where do you think i came from with my books Are the only books of mine before 1986 are there i don't know, <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, I don't know yet. and if there were <laughs> there's some time dilation going on isn't there Jeez. i can publish things retroactively i have that ability like Tupac. Like Tupac just exactly.
2: like him. I may Except be a hologram on
1: stage, you don't
2: know. I may
1: not really be here at all.
0: It's very possible that Neil Gaiman yeah. is not in this room. I <laughs> <laughs> I think it's almost certain that Neil Gaiman is
1: not here at all. Or is he? Are we any of us in this room right now? Who's to say?
0: You know what could really help us out, Neil? Yes. Is if you would just record a quick plug for vertigues.
1: Oh, alright, what should I say about? It?
0: Just, you know, just tell the people that it's a great show. Oh, he- they should keep listening to it. And, okay, I'll do you know. my introduction again. Hello, listeners.
1: This is Neil Gaiman, author, dreamweaver, spinner of dark fantasies, experiencer of the unknown and unexplainable, <laughs> author of The Sandman, published by Vertigo Comics, which is reviewed by my friends The Vertiguise, Eric and Sean, on their podcast, The Vertiguise. Do listen to it. It will expand your mind in ways you had not foreseen before. Unlock new parts of your brain that have yet been unexplored. Listen to it, enjoy, and have a fantastical Listen, Neil,
0: we're going yeah, a little I, long. I, now.
1: I, I keep going. I I can keep talking. I'm. You're listen, playing off <laughs> Neil Gaiman. Uh, are you telling yeah. me to shut up? That's guy. Listen, the door's over there. I'll, well, my portal's over here. So I'll just let myself out. I'll let in my friends. I'll pop in now and then to give my my input into your show because I'm sure you would like it very much. But I brought along my friends from another podcast. My portals go between podcasts. Did you know that? I did not. They do. They do. Wow. Uh, this one comes from a hey, Lord of the Rings and Star Wars podcast, which I did not write either of, I'll let you know. Though I could have. Not even retroactively. I might be George Lucas. <laughs> I may be J.R.R. Tolkien. You do not know? You rearrange the letters in J.R.R. Tolkien, it may smell Neil Gaiman. Have that... you tried? Okay, anyway. No.
0: Maybe you're like a, a sort of all-encompassing spirit of all storytellers.
1: I like that. Yes. <laughs> I might be. But let's introduce my other friends. So, come through, fellows and gentlemen and ladies, and there's only two of them. I don't know why I made this article.
3: <clears throat> Jeez, I hate going through portals. Yeah. It's like I've got an mm-hmm. asthma attack. It feels like I'm just a 600-pound man is tap dancing on my chest. Do you need a bag? Yeah, please, please. Give yeah. me the bag. Give me the bag. Give me the bag. bag. Yes. A... The bag has all sorts of colors and patterns. <laughs> <laughs> that are even more. It's like I'm barfing into eternity. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Looks like
3: your,
1: your mate, your husband, is unconscious here. Let me just switch places with him real quick. Okay. Okay. Throw him in your...
3: Where am I? Joanna.
0: You're
1: on the Vertigas show.
3: Whoa! Hello. I'm so glad to be here. Gosh. Welcome to the show.
1: I was in my living room in our studio, and I fell into some deep sleep, and I feel really nauseous, but I'm here, and I'm alive, and Joanna's here, and, and, and you guys are here, Eric and Sean. It's great to be here. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, welcome to the show.
3: You're going to need this bag. Oh, yeah. Thanks.
0: The colors are amazing. Yeah, they <laughs> are. They're great. I don't and know if that's... Done. Is that the portal or is that just your diet? Oh, you just
3: vomited the <laughs> color out of space,
0: I my did. friend. <laughs> so Neil Gaiman has left through a dark closet that Eric never had noticed before was in his apartment. That's right. The
3: hell? I didn't think this door opened. <laughs> yeah, he does that.
2: He
1: does an art podcast a couple times. Don't so worry ever you guys he shows up. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. He,
3: Thanks for having us, guys. Yeah,
1: real, thank sen- you. He's real
0: sensitive to his name. Have you guys... Read any Sandman comic books today?
1: Well, today, yes. <laughs> I've also read all the old Sandman in my time, yes. I have not. Really? But... <laughs>
3: and you're the expert here on this <laughs> You didn't know this! He's reading it as he oh, goes! Oh, was... that's like
1: a fresh perspective. Have you read it, Sean? Yeah, I read
0: okay. it. Okay. He's he's the expert, and I'm the, and you're the, I'm, new... okay. I'm the novice. You're the initiate. Sort of Straight-off expertise, depending on the issues of the day. That's cool. Right, whereas okay. with the Preacher, I'm the expert, and he's the novice. I like it. But speaking of the issues of the day, before we launch into Sandman... You want to talk about the Vertigo news this week? Yes. DC has announced a big old relaunch of the Vertigo line. It's going to be a much more consistent presence on newsstands going into next year. And they've got some fairly interesting sounding titles lined up. So there are seven new titles announced in addition to the Sandman Universe announcement that we had talked about before. Right. And that that's not going anywhere, right? Like they're still doing that. As far as I know, yeah. Okay. What else are they doing? So I think the most exciting one for me is that they've got a book called Second Coming written by Mark Russell of Flintstones and Snagglepuss.
3: Yeah. But like the reboot of Snagglepuss, right? Yeah. Not the original Snagglepuss. No, no, no. (laughs) That would be really wild. (laughs) No, no,
0: no. Like the new Snagglepuss series that was really good. Yeah. Yeah. So Second Coming is the name of it. And it like stars Jesus as the main character and it kind of sounds like it'll have sort of a preacher kind of vibe to it. All right. Okay. I see here there's a series called Hex Wives written by Ben Blacker art by Mirka and about a coven of witches that have been brainwashed into subservient housewives who are breaking free of that situation mm, okay yeah i feel like we've got a few books about witches right
3: now um <laughs> maybe people think witches are going to be like the new vampires it, i like, think they're going to have their moment
0: i think that witches are are beginning to have a moment yeah but you know what stuff by ben blacker is usually pretty good he wrote that um uh wolverine season one. Oh yeah yeah that was a lot of fun so yeah that could be good there's one called american carnage about like a biracial FBI agent infiltrating a white supremacist group. So that sounds like it's really trying to be like, like trying to be button pushing. It's pretty I of the moment. It's a very I provocative say. title. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. Interesting. And at least I saw a couple of different articles that are leading with the fact that there's going to be a series written by Zoe Quinn.
1: That is goddess mode. Oh which yeah, that was uh, the one about the magical girls, right? The it's like Cyberpunk Magical Girl. Cyberpunk Magical yeah. Girl,
0: which sounds like a neat idea. I don't know if I think that I would make that the lead-off story, which is why I
1: didn't. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's kind of a name, you know, and she shows that they're going with different voices in their comics. and Right. Know. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah
0: I, yeah, I think it's cool to think that one of the virtues of the Vertigo imprint is the ability to showcase some new voices and some more experimental content. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hope that it doesn't end up being like a second new animal although i guess new animal won't exist anymore by the time that this starts but yeah i would like to see it kind of be distinct and have a karen burger kind of feel to it
1: they can talk about those on your show when they come out Going to dive into them for issues? Well, I obviously can't predict at what point an issue may be put
0: in oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 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 you, you might get blindsided with one or two of them in the future. Apparently, they're not all rolling out at once. They're mm-hmm. doing like four at the end of this year, and then like three early next year. Or maybe it's the other way around. I don't know. But yeah, we'll definitely have our eye on it.
3: Mm-hmm. You guys are like... Getting closer and closer to sort of phase two of the podcast, right? Where you're going to be rolling out some new titles you're going to talk about?
0: Yeah, that's right. And do you think that we should, like, include listener input in our decision? Yeah, I think that'd be a worthy thing to consider. So should we just, like, run down real quick a couple of the candidates that we're thinking about for phase two? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so 100 Bullets is one. Why the Last Man? Trans Metropolitan Fables There's a Strong Possibility we'd like to take on at some point. So yeah, if you listeners have thoughts about that, we'd love to we'd love to hear about it. And obviously if there's more interest in one of those titles than in any of the others, you know, that'll be a strong influence on our thinking. And also like if we forgot to name anything, like any great classic Vertigo series, there's also Lucifer I know we already mm-hmm. forgot to mention. And several Sandman spinoffs over the years that we may or may not elect to cover. Yeah, and we had talked about some of the old DC, the old pre-Vertigo stuff. Uh, Alan Moore's Swamp Thing and Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol. Right. Yeah, so let us know your thoughts on that. Vertiguys at gmail.com or at vertiguys on Twitter. And yeah, we'd love to know what you guys want to hear. But for now, let's get into Sandman issues 38 through 40. Okay, so this is a kind of loose story arc known as Convergence Mm -hmm. that we're covering today. And we're starting with Sandman number 38, The Hunt, written by Neil Gaiman, pencils by Duncan Eagleson, inks by Vince Locke, and colors by Daniel Vazo. The cover is by Dave McKeon, and there's a figure sitting at a desk with sort of an oversized bald head, yeah. and there is a drawing of a wolf pinned to the forehead with a pushpin. I love Dave McKeon's
1: covers. They're fun.
0: Yeah, they definitely provide, like, a great mood. Yeah. And because he usually does covers for Hellblazer too, mm-hmm. it provides a kind of good consistency yeah. that, between yeah. the whole line. There's sort of a consistent theme across these three covers of a central storyteller figure. Mm-hmm. I always have some reference to the story
1: they're about to, to tell
0: you.
3: That's not always obvious until you I read really? the oh, story. I get it. Maybe yeah. twice. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, the first time you're just like, oh, it's a big old head. A
1: big old man with a tar pick for a head, wolf staple to his forehead.
0: Yeah. He's yeah. got a wolf stapled to his guitar pick.
1: Little fady hands covering up his mouth and his eyes. And...
0: Yeah, they're kind of ethereal. You can mm-hmm. see his lips through his hand, and there's really long candles. And there's like Japanese hiragana on his robe. He's kind of wearing a kimono for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Well, shit. I don't. I didn't know that or know what that is. What's that mean?
3: Well, I can't read it because I can't read Japanese calligraphy. <laughs> but it's Japanese writing, not in his writing. It's Japanese writing, but I cannot read calligraphy. Fair enough. Wow. Okay, so we start
0: off with. A very packed page here. This is a an eight-panel page. Nearly a nine-panel page. Except that one of them is, you know, doubled extended, over. Yeah. We have an old man telling his granddaughter a story. We don't get her name for a couple pages, but it is Celeste. We don't get the old man's name either. Not till the end. <laughs> <laughs> this is a story from before their family left the old country. She doesn't want to hear it. She'd rather watch TV. I want my MTV. Ugh. Yeah, I was reading this and I was like you know what? I'd rather watch TV too. So I closed the book and I watched TV for a while. So you're in for a surprise. <laughs> and like, and then I came, so
3: you have no idea what's going to happen <laughs> at
0: all. I got around to it, actually. <laughs> but I was like, wait a minute. I'm not this girl. This option is open to me. <laughs> so we're just, we're just, I identify with this character immediately. <laughs> right, I mean, yeah. I
1: feel like a team. Oh <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I went to the television. I watched, you know, the video for Thriller and,
3: <laughs> you know, Came right back. I can't believe you, Eric, because Michael Jackson is for dweebs and kids. Spoilers. Spoilers. Spoiling, later, but yeah, totally for Spoiling kids. the fact that Michael Jackson is for dweebs You're and thinking, kids. You're calling Eric and dweeb and kid. Well,
0: I have a podcast about comic books.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that ship's kind of So
0: cool. <laughs>
2: cool.
0: So he's kind of grumpy that she doesn't want to hear the story. She mollifies him and agrees to listen. And then he starts going out about how he's forgotten the story now. Yeah. He's like, nope, you fucked that up.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Makes her bag for it, which she does.
0: I want to point out this line. I suppose if everybody cut off their heads and stuffed asafetida into their mouths and buried their hearts at crossroads, then you'd do it too? Uh, Asafetida is a resin or gum made from herbs in the ferula family, used in cooking in Iran, Afghanistan, and India. It has many, many applications in folk medicine and magic, one of which I feel compelled to point out for no reason that is yet apparent, is to lure wolves. Huh. How,
3: that How perfectly irrelevant! Yeah,
0: it sounds delicious. It does. Smell.
3: It's also a member of the celery family, just so you guys know. <laughs> <laughs> and it grows one to one point five meters tall. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice
0: I could eat
3: the uh, the yeah. fetid
0: in the asafetida name comes from the fact that it smells really bad.
3: Well, a lot of
0: delicious things smell really bad. Yeah, you know, like durian fruits, garlic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. mm-hmm. that too. Now, in some parts of the world, suicides are buried at crossroads, so would you bury your heart at a crossroads could be a fancy way of saying, oh, would you kill yourself if everybody was doing it? Mm. The buried heart could also be a reference to a character called Cochet the Deathless, who we're going to hear from in a couple yes. of pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I was going to wait until he came up, but since you've name-dropped him already, I want to confess real quick... Shout out to my boy, Cochet the Deathless. <laughs> I actually I actually, like literally thought until I found this issue that... Kosher the Deathless was created by Mike Mignola. Like, I had no yeah. idea. <laughs> I had no idea yeah. that he was. was he a, a
3: character in Hellboy?
0: He is a oh, character. I haven't read in any of those Hellboy. issues. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. I had no idea that he was based on real folklore. So we turn the page and we get. A deep, dark forest, which is really cool looking in this art by Duncan Eagleson. I tried to look up Duncan Eagleson, by the way, and I couldn't find much about him. I'm not familiar with him at all, and I don't know his history.
3: Well, he's the son of eagles. We know that. Oh! (laughs) Um, But in terms of whether or not he's still in the industry or he just sort of flew off somewhere. He just
0: kind of came out of the sky and penciled this Ah! issue. Yeah, buddy.
1: The old man describes the trees very poetically. I really like how he described the trees, but the teenager's just like, Ugh, I don't want trees! These are boring, Grandpa. I get it. Uh. MTV.
0: (laughs) I used to climb them, but now I watch television. (laughs) Yeah, I watch
1: trees on TV now,
0: Grandpa. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but once again, Gaiman is creating some tension here between the storyteller and the listener, making the telling of the story a little bit more interesting. Mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting how he talks about real forests with true bears and true wolves and also true
3: folk. Yeah, he uses the word true quite frequently. He also mentions the phrase true death later on, so I'm not sure exactly what the word true signifies to him. Maybe as opposed to nowadays when everything's just sort of a sad little shadow of what it used to be. It's not fake news back then, it was true news. It true news. Yeah. <laughs> These weak
0: MTV trees. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if Neil Gaiman like did some research on like dialects and came up with this usage for this word.
3: Like Russian-Jewish dialect Maybe. or something right. like that, yeah, it right, could I be. Would, yeah.
0: It's too bad. I mean, we could have asked him. He was here so recently. Oh,
3: maybe he'll come back. We can I'll ask open, him then. I wouldn't open that
0: closet door for any amount of no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. His cat scared me. <laughs>
3: <It> sounded sick.
0: <laughs> it had long claws. <laughs> I like the line here. In the winter, it was cold. Cold enough to freeze the skin off your face and freeze your piss before it touched the ground. That'll be a familiar detail to readers of American Gods. Oh, oh yeah. Man, this is true. This is true. I would be uncomfortable if my grandpa was talking to me about my piss. (laughs) That's just my personal preference. That's crossing a line. Let me tell you about the urine. (laughs) (laughs) So, there were few true folk in the forest. We are introduced to a young man of our people who lives in this real forest. And he has three legacies from his mother. Life, a wooden ring, and the name Vasily. City. Yeah, and that was kind of the first indication that I got that we were talking about like Russia, right? As yeah. the old country. Mm-hmm.
3: We also get the granddaughter sort of interjecting, Vasily, but that
1: Meg is cut off.
0: Yeah, and he replies, "It's a pretty common name." Yeah, yeah. So we have a kind of strong implication here right from the get-go that Vasily is actually the grandfather. It's a
3: story also. about him. He looks kind of like He-Man Feral He-Man Yeah, yeah. I, I wrote down Prince Adam Yep From He-Man <laughs> I say hey he wears more
1: pants than he-man though so that, that guy's like echoed for him wait yeah. i do, what does that song have
0: to oh, oh my He-Man? god
3: have you not seen this is well old now but there's like this video someone made of he-man singing four non-blondes and it was I like I'll pray oh my god do i pray and skeletor comes in and sings the harmony like, oh, oh, god, this was god. like the hotness in like 2011
0: <laughs> wow well that's a goofy ass song so yes, i can see yes, that being pretty yes. funny i mean it's like it's almost like it would be funny no matter what you put in front of it. Oh, yeah. It's almost it definitely cheating. Would. There's a an episode of Sensate. Am I the only oh, one? Yeah, Sense8. Oh yes. yeah, Sensei. Oh yeah. Granny yeah. hasn't watched it,
3: but I watched it. I know it because I you see really like into it. So. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, the part they do the whole um,
0: Where they all sing that song? Yeah, yeah, at the
3: same time. It was oh, a good. It was a good okay. part. yeah. Anyway, so Prince Adam is found by an old peddler woman. With two teeth.
0: Yeah, we learn that Vasily and his father live far from any others. They rarely see anybody else, but he does stumble into this old peddler woman. Yeah, he describes her as a gypsy, not one of us, which is, I guess, how you know that they are not Romani people. But I was listening to an episode of Buffering the Vampire Slayer recently, which is a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. It's really good. And they explained in depth why the word gypsy is not cool at all. It's not a
3: nice word no. to say. it should not be used. Well, I guess oh, we're okay. to understand that this is a very, very, very old man, and yeah. old men don't tend to say the nice words for things. not really
1: treat her that kindly either in, like, future pages, like, as far as talking about gypsies. Or Romani, sorry. Yeah, and it's pointed out here that she sees Vasily even
0: though he's hiding. So we're immediately set up with a couple of questions here. One is why is he so good at hiding? Yeah, And As another is, who exactly are our people? And also, has she been eating her carrots? Because <laughs> they're good for the eyesight. Yes. Right, because her eyesight is sharp. <laughs> she is better at vision than he is at hiding. Yeah, 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 there you go. Is that an Axe Cap reference? It's The Office. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's too bad. It, I would have liked it better if it was Axe Cap. I mean, The Office is a good show. So she is hungry, so Vasily volunteers to bring her a rabbit. And in exchange, she sort of shows him the things that she's selling. She's got this bag of magic. And the that's a pretty fucking exclusive shop right there. That's you really, got to yeah. buy in to even see the merchandise. Yes.
1: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, it all a rabbit. That's not that much, but you know.
0: I, I have a 20. Can you make change? Yeah. <laughs>
1: 20 rabbits? Mm. She's got this bag of magic DD items. She's got the Emerald Heart of Cachet the Deathless.
0: Now, the Emerald Heart is a piece of green glass in the shape of a heart, which highly resembles either the Sigil of Desire or the pieces of volcanic glass that we saw at the beginning of Doll's House. Yes, a Doll's House is what I immediately went to. And Celeste interjects at this point, asking how did she get these things, and Grandpa starts mocking her, saying of course she didn't have the Emerald Heart of Cushé the Deathless. She's cheating Vasily. Yes. Right. She's
1: just... Don't worry. Gypsies are liars. Yeah.
3: I don't know if I should save this until later, but in the actual folklore, Crochet the Deathless did not have an emerald heart. He had a soul inside a needle, inside an egg, inside a duck, inside a rabbit, inside, like, a magic chest that he kept locked.
0: Right. Now this character is basically the prototype lich. He had buried his heart or his soul so that he couldn't be killed.
3: It's like a horcrux, but... It's like a Matryoshka doll. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it.
0: I wonder if Mike Mignola ever drew all that stuff. I bet it would look really good if he yeah, did. he mm-hmm. probably would. She also has a cloak of night from a country far in the north where day never breaks. Woven from the silk of black worms who feed on the leaves of dark trees in the lightless caverns beneath the land. Vasily's father appears and tells him they have no money to spare on baubles. And as they leave, he warns Vasily not to talk to strangers in the forest because they are
3: not of the people and mean them harm. However, Vasily. Almost instantly, breaks his father's trust and Pretty goes much. to meet with the woman again.
0: I think it's this is supposed to be the next day. The next day, because yeah. yeah, he says that his father is like talking to him all night about stuff that he just ignores. Yeah,
1: use the word gugaws, which I love.
3: That is a good word. <laughs> is that a Russian Jewish word or is Gugaz. that just gugaws? I love gugaws. So he goes to talk to her about her gugaws again the next day.
0: Yeah, he he finds her, and but, when he shows up here, she says, "You startled me. I didn't hear you coming." So he moves very quietly. Yeah, and she is better at seeing than she is at hearing. There you go. By God. the way, hang on. We got our first mention of dreams mm-hmm. here in uh, in this panel. Yeah, he tells her that his father said the items are worthless, and she says... Values in what people think, not in what's real. Values in dreams, boy.
3: Which is, I don't know, kind of a shady way of saying, like, yeah, they're worthless, but I'm selling for a lot anyway.
0: <laughs> Listen, if you want to pretend that it's the Emerald Heart of Koschei the Deathless, it's valuable to you.
3: Right.
0: Not valuable if you want to kill Koschei the Deathless.
3: No, 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 certainly not. <laughs> fair,
0: fair enough. But, I mean, he seems like a pretty nice guy. Why would you...
3: So because Vasily had given her the rabbit the previous day, she decides that he's a good boy. And she gives him a bobble for free. Well, I guess the rabbit was the cost of that. And it is a miniature on a necklace, a picture of a young, beautiful woman with blonde hair. And this is the Duke's daughter. It is. Is this what you would call a cameo? Cameo. Yeah, Yeah. kind of. I think that's basically what it is.
0: I don't understand. Is she played by, like, Madonna or something?
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. No, you know. I can't even tell if you're being serious, Eric! (laughs) I'm very gullible!
0: The old woman here goes on a tangent about how she was once more beautiful than the daughter, and she was involved with many, many men, and how she always followed her heart. Oh, yeah, and then she asks for his little finger so she can tell his fortune, and when she sees his
1: fortune... She runs the fuck off. Because they forgot to color in the shading on his face. And so she got really scared by that. God like, damn it. Right? <laughs> That's not the right color! Why did it be black in there? Holy crap! A shadow hit your face and
0: I hate you now. <laughs> well, it's a gray shadow. It's so weird looking. It is weird looking. He looks inhuman for a minute. For a moment. It's an unearthly effect. It is. What? What are you? Keep away from me! And the old woman scuttled off into the forest like a frightened rabbit. So... At night, Vasily would take out and admire the daughter's picture. At this point, Celeste jumps in to ask what she looked like, and is annoyed when her grandfather's description
1: is nothing but superlatives about how beautiful she was. The description so, reminded me of uh, "Into the Woods" the song. You know, it's like with eyes as blue as cornflowers, lips as red as poppy, skin as white as milk, and hair as gold. Was oh yeah, yeah these yeah. are the kind <laughs> of things.
3: That these are the things that they have to collect. Yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if this is the right audience for musical theater. I I
0: actually get like most musical theater references, just not that one. Into the woods again. So Celeste is kind of injecting a female perspective here. She's annoyed that there aren't old stories from a female point of view. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is also the part where we get the small bone that he carved into the shape of a small bone. I
3: thought, like, I was so convinced that that was a typo or, like, a reference to something that I googled a small bone carved in the shape of a small bone and, like, nothing came up. You
0: got, like, this issue. Yeah, exactly, (laughs) exactly. Vasily gathers up his prized possessions, some tarnished bronze coins, a small bone that he had carved into the shape of a small bone, a thin wooden finger ring his mother had left him,
1: at which point Celeste jumps in to complain about the small bone.
0: And he yeah. says he
3: carved it into the shape of a different bone.
1: And he's like, yeah, I'm ask you about your Michael Jackson lyrics. And she's like,
3: eh, Michael Jackson's
1: for dweebs and kids.
3: I don't like him anymore.
1: I, I looked it up, though. I tried to, this was published in June of 1992. I was trying to figure out what the top song was at the time. And the number one song at the time was Jump by Criss Cross.
3: So that's what she was probably listening to, make to. Jump, jump, jump. jump. <laughs> Jump jump, jump. Uh, yeah Michael that... Jackson's for dweebs and kids unlike Chris, Chris Cross, Cross for actual is for children
0: sophisticated <laughs> cultural tips. yeah so now i have to buy that mp3 yeah, <laughs> yeah. let's go ahead and not include a clip <laughs> of, <laughs> of jump jump at the end of the fucking show so he's going off on a journey while his father is away yes yeah and it seems like he just kind of like disregards all his father's teaching and advice and requests and is just like yo i'm out but here's celeste identifying with the character now my parents complain when i get back late from a party i'm a teen i love the party listen to
3: crisscross <laughs> but they did things different back in the old country what do you in back- old
1: country if we have no crisscross we wear our pants forward different <laughs> <laughs> in front like a man like a man <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> That should be in there. <laughs> As he's
0: traveling, he finds the peddler woman with her throat slashed. Yes, it's very tragic. Yeah, and whoever did it left behind her pack, which he then appropriates. He uh, reaches a village on the edge of the forest where they don't believe that he came from the forest because the forest is full of ghouls and ogres. He comments, I saw nothing that could have hurt me
3: which is not the same thing as saying there weren't ghouls and ogres, <laughs> just that they couldn't yeah. hurt him. This is the same
1: page where Grandpa maybe, maybe joking, maybe serious jokes about being 140 years old. I didn't learn this until I was 140. Right. Yeah. Well, then, then
3: assuming he's at least
0: 140 yeah, years old, could be yeah, well yeah. older than that. Vasily so tells him he's looking for the palace of the Duke and he's carrying things to sell. An emerald, a little drum, a shirt, a book, other things. He's selling the old lady stuff. Yeah, Yeah, and when he mentions that he's heading towards the palace of the duke, the innkeeper decides that he must have some pretty nice goods in that pack.
1: Yeah. Vastley notices that the bed is
3: bolted to the floor. She's like, no, 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 I'm going to sleep on the ground. This part is where I realized that I would like... Instantly be killed if I lived in the Middle Ages. Because, like, I was like, both of the floor? What does that even mean? Why does it mean you have to sleep on the floor? That's stupid. I just sleep in the bed. Jasmine knows what's up.
1: Man. Yeah, he yeah, does. He's got those, those instincts.
3: He does, because as he is sleeping that night, a panel opens up near the head of the bed in the wall, and the innkeeper uses an axe to chop the pillow, which is right where Vasily's head would have been. So the implication is that he's trying to murder Vasily to take all his goods. Yeah, he tried to ask him a question.
0: Yes. Yeah, this is a great <laughs> sequence of panels here. The innkeeper comes in with this candle and Vasily's hand comes in from off-panel and snuffs it out. That's cool. There's a black
1: panel to indicate.
0: Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. implied that it does not end well for this innkeeper. Got him! Got him! Got him! him." (laughs) Vasily had learned a valuable lesson that night. It seems like he already pretty much knew that lesson. He was, like, bed-bolted to the floor? Fuck now. Right, what did he learn that was new? But anyway. Right, yeah, exactly. He Um, set off due west, away from the
1: sunrise, well-rested. And well fed.
0: Did he eat that innkeeper? I think it's implied think he that he ate, ate, ate
1: him. Yum, yum,
0: yum, yum, yum. Oh, he is kind of a wolf. He is? You know, he's wolf like.
3: He's wolf like. would you say that?
0: In aspect.
1: There's no reason you would he say he's like
0: a wolf. Well, well,
3: you know, adolescent boys, they eat like wolves. They got, the appet- they got wolfish appetites. Oh,
0: man, can we not talk about food? <laughs> <laughs> I'm hungry That's... enough to eat an innkeeper right now. <laughs> <laughs> After two days of travel, during an early snowfall, Vasili encounters a very tall and thin man. We recognize this as Lucian, the librarian in Dream's Palace. Yeah.
3: Well, I recognized him after like on second glance. At first, I thought it was literally Ichabod Crane.
0: I was like, "Whoa!" That would
3: Lucian. be, yeah. but the thing is, that would be no less weird than like a lot of the other stuff in these it issues. Would be no uh, less
0: apropos right. for a Sandman <laughs> issue. But yeah, I was going to say maybe you recognized him right away as Lucian, not. Not this reader. Well, he's an elf, guys. He's not... Yeah, he's got pointy ears. I thought maybe it was an accident with a rice... It's a an- deformity! <laughs> <rice. laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Making fun a of a man with disability. disability. <laughs> <Yeah.
3: laughs>
0: so, yeah. So Lucian introduces himself as a librarian and asks for a book. And I didn't... I didn't think that the book had ever been mentioned before as part of the contents of the pack.
3: He mentioned it to the innkeeper a page ago. Okay. You can certainly see it in the pictures that there's a book in there. You can
0: see it in the first image that we see of the contents of the pack, but it's not one of the things listed by the the peddler woman. And nobody has really specifically told us what it is. Vasily tries to undersell the things in the pack here. Odbids and trinkets, sir. Nothing of any value. Yeah, because he doesn't want to get fucking axed again. You're right. Or potentially axed.
1: Values in the mind of the buyer, not the peddler. And Lucian wants that book. And he's, he's like, I want this girl. I'll trade you. and he's like, oh, I don't know about that. Because you this. can just
3: trade a girl. Yeah, right. Something you can do, right? Yeah, you're currency. You shouldn't do trade. It could be exchange for goods and services. <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't
0: trade women for things. No, we hear it. Guys are coming out strongly against <laughs> yeah. that. That is a hot take. And we don't all, care who, we're who knows it. Paymail for, <laughs> for that one. <laughs> uh, so he offers the heart of Koschei, but Lucian says he knows where the heart of Koschei was and that it was destroyed two hundred years ago. I also like that Vasily says he's got what I have been assured is the heart of Koshay. So he's not actually lying. He no, was yeah. told that's what it was. I also just kind of feel like, okay, so your heart of Koshay was destroyed 200 years ago. I guess that means you need a new one. You yeah, cheap right. bastard. By my shit.
2: <laughs>
0: Lucian can't pay Vasily's price, and so he disappears. Well, right, he doesn't really disappear. He just watches him walk away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah didn't take uh, well, the advice about theatricality so literally no we'll come back to that later right
3: but for now we have Vasily wandering across a barren snowswept landscape for I think about two weeks was how long the innkeeper said it was going to take
1: and here is where he talks about being maybe very old maybe Grandpa. very very old I learned this when I was 140 130 like he talks about it and he also threatens to rip out his granddaughter's throat which he could probably do with yeah. his teeth. So he might be Jack the Ripper.
3: He also probably has like really strong dentures. I bet he does. He might be not it's babysitting yes. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> do you imagine all my grandpa ever did was fall asleep when he was babysitting? This is much worse. I
0: really enjoyed Celeste's interruption here. She says the thin man sounds like a fairy, and she doesn't believe in fairies. Also, that's when he says he's 140 years old. He didn't know fairies existed until then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah well, she, then she says it sounds suspiciously postmodern to her. Are you sure this is really a story from the old country? Fucking busted, Neil Gaiman.
3: Yeah. Casting <laughs> a little shade on himself there. You got
0: got by one of your own characters. <laughs> Listen, blood of my blood, although I'm a hard man to anger and I love you deeply, if you interrupt me again, so help me, I'll rip out your throat with my teeth. Sorry, Grandpa. So Vasily walks on and we get a mention of a raven that's flying above him, maybe keeping an eye on him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's... You know, that's a clue. It's another clue for you all. Three days later, he runs into the tall man again. He looks super cool. I love his butler outfit. Yeah, and he has a fuck-lot of gold. Yeah. He's offering a lot of gold for the book, but Vasily's not interested. You know my price.
3: I'm not getting the woman for you, and that's final. Do you know the bother I had getting the gold without anyone noticing?
1: He had to sell some
3: much Thanks. drugs. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, was a, he, was, he was a cocaine mule. Yeah. <laughs> Vasily threatens to burn the book, and then Lucian points out to him that it cannot be burned. And he says, "Well, in any case, I won't give it to you."
0: <laughs> then I won't burn it. I just won't I give, just it, won't to give you. it to you. I
3: think that's enough of a threat.
0: It's a very special book. Yes. Flame retardant cover. Vasily travels on. This night is a full moon, and he leaves the path
1: to lope through the forest. We start drawing him kind of with sharp teeth. Kind of implied. Maybe not, like, full-on, like, vampire things, but it's like... Oh, yeah, see oh, it yeah. on this I one mean, this page. This is some real, like, yep. saber-tooth art over here. Yeah, when they kind of draw the teeth as one jaggedy mass. He's,
0: yeah. He sees this deer and chases it with his teeth out, but he's weighed down by the old woman's pack. And just before he can catch the deer, a woman jumps out of the trees and grabs the deer and breaks its neck. Yeah, his ass gets sacked.
3: And she is she, real like fantasy barbarian clothing, I, like I a fur bikini, was, sort of. I thought she was dressed more or less the way that he is. But... I don't think she's wearing pants, though. Is she? Well, we it could be, be able the colorings. Run. with pants on. I suppose. A I, I suppose that was, that's his, that was fair. His folly. It,
1: it cannot pants, be, done. be done. But you're gonna
3: get <laughs> you're gonna get poked by like burrs, and chiggers, yeah. in your legs.
1: It builds character and strength and makes you level up. So. All right. Yeah,
0: the burrs and chiggers are exactly why she is so much faster than him. That's true. And that's she true. introduces herself. A good evening to you, kinsman. So we know that she's, she's one of people. our people.
2: Yeah.
0: Yes. first, though... I thought it said king man.
3: King man? A <laughs> oh, good evening to you, king, king man. <laughs> man. <laughs> king of the losers. So she's not a sore winner, even though she's the one that caught the deer. She invites him back to sit and eat with her clan around a fire. Yeah. And, and there's a cabin to... on chicken
0: legs. It's fucking Baba Yaga. Yaga is here? Yeah. yeah, and he has never seen so many of the people in one place before. But, all the same, they don't ask each other any questions. No. They're all on the same
1: level. Yeah, Baba Yaga shows up and she looks so cool. I love how, like, nasty
0: yeah i thought that it was like a really like wily implication of baba yaga and then like two panels later it's just like anyway so yeah. that was baba yeah, yaga yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I was like okay i guess i get no points for picking up on that <laughs> yeah. though he did it <laughs> no, no two panels early yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much the chicken legs on that house mm-hmm. so he offers her the heart of cochet in exchange for transport to the duke's palace and she agrees i hate that fucker she says she doesn't say that
2: Her
1: face does it. All those teeth Clinton.
0: Yeah. She's got
3: metal teeth. Metal chompers. I've always
1: wanted to eat (laughs) (laughs) kosher. It's like Jaws from James Bond. It's great. They jump in her mortar and pestle, which can fly. It looks like kind of a a fucked up version of Totoro. As they fly across the sky on the wind.
0: Oh,
3: it does kind of look like that, doesn't it? Yeah? Yeah.
1: And we have fantastic narration
0: as misery trails in the wake of the mortar and pestle. Yeah. In the black shadow of Baba Yaga, babies screamed and mothers miscarried. Milk soured and men went mad. Below them Jews were burned in their houses, and gypsies were beaten to death. Nightbirds screamed, and owls hooted, and wolves howled. Faster than the wind they rode that night, and before dawn they landed in the courtyard of the winter palace of the
1: Duke. I like that PC police. Yeah,
0: juice burning. gypsies getting beat up. Ugh. Well, it's on the list of terrible things, at least. <laughs>
1: yeah, I gotta say, I kind of, I like what
0: this narration is doing, but I thought like attributing pogroms to her was maybe a little far. A little far, yeah. Can
3: you imagine being in the family where like literally everybody miscarried and went mad, and then you go to your neighbor's house to talk about your suffering, and your neighbor's like, "Yo, yeah, my milk got a little sour." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god.
0: Yeah, a lot of bad stuff happened here. To our milks, fucked like up. Really <laughs>
3: gross. Nobody to yeah. curds now. Ah, <laughs> I was going to have some cookies, then
0: we <laughs> My uh, cookies crumbled. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and on arrival, he hands her the heart, which we have been told is a fake. And she says, Aye, this is
1: the emerald heart of Crochet the Deathless. Yes, it's she's made by a fop. The guy with a white and powdered wig. Yes!
3: Oh, yes, 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 yes. It... The, the green heart of oh. the Deathless.
1: Oh, this guy, yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: yeah well the flop doesn't
1: say oh, that.
3: Sorry, that's Yaga says that i keep getting ahead of myself i'm so sorry you're just
0: excited i'm excited to talk about flops <laughs> okay <laughs> so the celeste the granddaughter she calls this out she says that the grandpa told her it wasn't the emerald heart of koshe the deathless and he has a great line here he says you shouldn't trust the storyteller only trust the story
1: don't hate the play i hate the game
0: yeah. That's pretty much the same advice. Yeah, the, same, the same thing, it's yeah. same
1: advice. Okay, so now we get to the fop. Now there's a fop. Yes. You want to talk about the fop, Ryan? He's powdered wig, this this chief around his neck, and he says, Hello. Welcome he, ma'am, to the castle. And <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's a uh, small fat man who stank of powder.
1: <laughs> That's his name. Small fat man who stinks of powder. Vasily is like, yo, this girl. Where's this girl at?
0: And the fat man, very accommodating, says he'll lead him right to her. But, he says, she has to be dressed and perfumed before she can see him. She and has to he, stink like me. Uh, he, leads, <laughs> he leads Vasily
1: to a room to wait. And the noble lady will see you shortly. Oh, when hell
3: freezes over. <laughs> and
1: he walks away.
0: My notes say, dungeon, question mark. And then my notes for the next page say, dungeon.
2: dungeon. <laughs> he locks
3: Vasily in a dungeon. That tricksy fop. And he just basically sits in the
1: cell in the dark and waits he, to die. Yeah, he runs out of food and
0: water and, and another thing that he apparently needs to survive, he runs out of moonlight. Yeah, interesting. Mm, oh, is
1: that shit? shit. Provocative. Yeah, it's just coincidence. I don't think it's. True. Yes. He just to be able to read and he can't. There's
0: so, a diversion here that is a great diversion where they just start talking about how TV is bad
1: for your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, the MTV. Give your Eyes.
3: Now, just as. I keep wanting to call him Prince Adam. Just as (laughs) Vasily has resigned himself to starving to death, who should show up? But Lucian! He's back!
0: Hello, young man. I've come for my book. Oh, so it's like Michael Caine for you. Yes, Michael
3: Caine. Master Roses. Yes. I mean, he's he's dressed like a butler. A little bit, yeah. So, Lucian offers him his freedom... In exchange for the book. The book. But even now, even with Death staring him in the face, Vasily is not convinced he refuses to part with it unless he gets the girl. And he
1: intimidates him. He's like, I'm the descendant of a duero and night And
3: like... Just so you know, a dwarrow is another name for a dwarf, and a Nightgaunt is an H.P. Lovecraft monster. Yeah. I didn't even have to look that up. I just knew that shit. And he doesn't look
0: like either. Damn, no filter.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Basili uh, points out here that Lucian could just take the book off his corpse. Lucian says he can't. It has to be granted by its owner. And if Basili dies, it becomes the Duke's book, and that's going to be even harder to deal with. Yeah. do know how long it's been since i mislaid a book. But well, let's just say the continents weren't in their current shape, not that that means anything to you. Now, I want to point out something here, maybe a couple of some things. First of all, starving to death in the dungeon is described as a slow death and far from noble, which I liked. Yeah. <laughs> um, second of all, this is his third meeting with Lucian. He also had three meetings with the peddler woman. Mm, so right. I, there's like a really obvious kind of like fairy tale structure mm-hmm, sure. going on. He just three. threes.
1: Yeah.
0: I also want to point out that during his brags here, one of his brags is I run on four legs as easily as two.
1: Again, just yeah, coincidence. Nice. But he takes him with.
0: Yeah, so they head out of the dungeon and into a vast dreamlike palace. Presumably Dream's Palace, in fact. And they bump right into Morpheus. Yeah, and he's wearing a cool outfit with a with a ruff. I love the ruff. This is fantastic. Vasily immediately starts growling at Morpheus. Stop that. <laughs> Morpheus Shut is like, up, knock boy. it off! So Lucian had hoped not to run into his boss, but he is forced to explain what's going on. And Vasily tells Morpheus his whole tale. And Morpheus smiles.
3: Morpheus does not even seem that mad, really, but... He just basically asks nicely, and Vasily hands over the book. And the book is the merry comedy of the redemption of Doctor Faustus, which maybe you guys can tell me more about this. It's not a real book; it was invented by DC Comics, but I don't know in which comic at what point.
0: So Lucian has a has a collection of books that were never written. In reality, Marlowe's Faustus is a tragedy. Uh, Yes, but this here is a merry comedy.
3: Got it. So, so Sandman made this up. It wasn't made up in another DC comic.
0: No, I think it's from this. Okay, right. Yeah, this is the only reference that I know of. When I this Googled it, yeah. This is basically the Marlowe equivalent of uh, Love's Lavers, right? Yeah,
3: mm-hmm. Love's Lavers Lost. Is
0: that not a real Shakespeare play? That- it's a real Shakespeare play, but there's not actually a sequel that comes back and fixes the yeah, ending. Right, right. Oh, right. okay. I, oh, right. Oh, sure, sure. I you. Gotcha. He's probably got that
1: in the library, too. Probably does. It probably has, like.
0: Right, part of the deal. Y- like-
3: you know what else? Part probably- <laughs> of the deal. <laughs> <laughs> the, the real
0: that's just, that's just a book that should have never been yeah, written.
3: <laughs> you know what else? He probably has somebody wrote somebody wrote a fanfic oh, of this of this
1: very
0: story
3: of the merry comedy of the Redemption of Doctor Faustus. Oh, they really- somebody wrote a fanfic. This a is fanfic. This, this is the second time I searched for something that was referenced in these issues, and it came up with a fanfic. Wow. Man, I just
0: realized. Morpheus's library contains fanfiction about the Sandman series. It does, is about Isn't this that very chapter. Wow. Isn't Whoa. that so wild? I just, the internet really wants you to read fanfiction. Like you specifically. It doesn't like, have
2: to try that far. <laughs> 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 but... Oh, I see. The, inter- just, yes. the
0: internet just knows what you it like. It just
2: knows what I
3: like. What I like is terribly written literature by 15 <laughs> year olds. <laughs> Which
0: his library is full of. Yes. <laughs> when people grow up and get older, they just stop writing anything that interests me. Fair? Yeah, that's <laughs> true. So this brings us to the crucial scene. Morpheus transports them all to the daughter's bedroom. Yes, and she's sleeping. So
3: they wake and her up?
0: Yeah. It... She dreams of walking through a covered market looking for cornflowers and finding only goblets of sour blood. Well, do you dare wake her up? He dares. Yeah, and, you know, she's kind of getting the rind end of this deal here. Just a bunch of weirdos in her bedroom, and they never really tell her what they came for. Uh, I guess he gives her the cameo back. But, yeah. Um, that's he
1: all that's he does. Yeah. Right.
0: Vasily looked at her. She was beautiful indeed and pale and fragile. She was everything he had dreamed of. And he just
3: hands her the cameo. This is yours. So we are to believe that this was not his original intention, but now seeing her face to face. I
0: don't think it is hers. Like, why would she go around with a picture of herself?
3: Maybe she's just that vain she's Maybe he realized a that. Like, a maybe... Metal alert bracelet. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. She's a major babe. She's maybe once picture. he saw her, he's like, wait a minute who has a picture of themselves in a necklace? That is stupid. And he's like, you know, I'm not interested in you anymore.
0: That's what put the whole thing off? Yeah, exactly.
1: I love the last panel of this page because they go back to Morpheus's dining room. And I love how Morpheus' city, he's such a tryhard. He's doing like, like basically a meditation pose that word. While, while, while Lucian and the silly are dining on fine foods, he's just in his throat just kind of, Doing a sick pose.
3: <laughs> like He's hes being pretty extra. <laughs> he's being very extra.
0: Yeah, I want to point out it. here that Vasily feasts on venison and hare and pheasant and kid. He drank tokay and sherbet and fine brandy. Actual kid. Often here in the corner, we can see Morpheus' kind of, what do you call that, clothes horse. Where he's got his helmet ruby and pouch of yeah, sand, his yes. three tools. Oh, I didn't notice that the first time. That's
2: pretty fucking. It looks a
0: lot like red. the Martian Manhunter standard. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs>
1: that's what I thought it was a Didn't game.
0: he like need the Martian Manhunter's help to find that shit? Yeah, he did. Yeah, originally, yeah. I mean there's not that, because was a, all like it's still kind of
1: tied in DC stuff. That's and, in the
0: like, that's in the future, I guess. Future, but, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean all that like John Constantine stuff and like there's all, all those DC hero tie ins in the first few issues of this comic series.
0: Yeah, which I I thought worked kind of well, because bringing in Dr. Destiny, who's like a, a second-string JLA villain, was, right. was kind of a cool idea. I gotta get
1: the DC fans kind of into it. At
0: this point, it's definitely its own thing, and I like that. When Lucian asked Vasily about the Duke's daughter, he shook his head and said nothing. But the Lord of Dreams knew that wishes are sometimes best left ungranted, and he did not need to ask. And then Vasily wakes up? In the woods? He wakes up in the forest and shapeshifts into a wolf. Whoa. Uh-huh? <laughs>
3: who where did that come did from that
2: call surprise man.
0: motherfucker where were they
3: no. who's
2: that oh
0: <laughs> yeah
3: totally uh, out of left he, field
0: he, he, he sort of he sort of dropped hints that that was something he could do before no, but no it's kind of blunt the way it's yeah. just like and then this is what he did but he
1: meets up with the girl wolf he
0: catches up with the she-wolf and he holds his he holds his teeth on her neck without breaking the skin we have an astral makeout session. I think that's like a, <laughs> I think that's like a real life animal mating behavior. Yeah, right? exactly. I think That's yeah. a thing. They celebrate their union in both man and wolf shape. Yeah. Less said about that. Let's mm-hmm. yeah, talk yeah. about it more. Right? And <laughs> it's not, it's not really mm-hmm. like a hundred percent verified, but I think we're supposed to get the idea that this is the girl who beat Chaos him, the who, other day. who beat him to the to the <laughs> deer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it beat him to the deer and uh, and called him King Man.
3: <laughs> king man!
0: <clears throat> king man! Sorry for chaosing,
3: des- king man! We
0: have decided to invite you to the Justice <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, so they get married, and the people came from hundreds of leagues around for the wedding, and they lived happily together until death parted them. And that's it, huh? Yes, that's the story. It's kind of sexist.
1: Yeah. yeah, Celeste is not liking this story. This is a sexist story, not like my boy's Chris Cross.
0: <laughs> it's sexist, it's insular, and the moral is that people are happy with the people. Big surprise. I knew I should have watched TV. Yeah, Dream Kings are fake. And she thinks that there's a specific, a specific insular subject here. My parents put you up to this, didn't they? It's about Christopher, isn't it? It's about my boyfriend. Christopher Cross.
3: All of time, she thinks he's her boyfriend, she's just writing him constant letters. Yeah. <laughs> he recycles immediately. Yeah. Okay, so Celeste knows that she's one
0: of the people. And the mm-hmm. end of the story makes it clear that the people are werewolves. Is Celeste aware that she's
3: a werewolf? I don't
1: know if she
0: knows.
3: Or maybe she doesn't have enough, I mean... Wolf in her? Wolf in her now, or I don't it's know. It's on the
1: timeline, yeah. On the descendants.
3: Okay, so
0: I did not get that the people were werewolves. I thought that Vasily was just special and that she didn't believe that he was a werewolf because she doesn't believe the story. I thought that the people were just like Russians.
3: Russians are werewolves. Like, like oh, all of them. Have you the ever met yeah. a Russian just like in fairness? like, Yes, actually. Okay, well, they were a werewolf. You didn't know, but they were. He
0: licked my face. Yeah, well, there you <laughs> well,
3: go.
2: There you go. There's your clue.
1: I you to shave a lot during the full moon, you
3: know?
0: It's like, yeah. It's all there. All the clues. Grandpa does not agree with her interpretation. But it wasn't about your boyfriend. It wasn't really even about the people. It was about what he saw when he looked at the sleeping woman. Why he turned his back on her. It was about dreams. But she is not listening and turns on the TV. Ugh. Good night, Grandpa.
3: But as Grandpa is leaving...
0: I wish you could have known your grandmother. She was an amazing woman. She knew the value of things. But she never let me forget that she had beaten me to the deer. Dun, dun, dun. She's sort of taken aback by that grandfather. But he just says good night and shuts the door.
3: That's the end. What
1: a good little story.
3: Yeah, a good little self-contained tale. The first of... Well, I was going to say many, but three. Three. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, hello. I'm up in the ceiling now.
3: Oh, Neil. Wow, you put your portal up there? That seems impractical. Did you notice you had a closet on your ceiling? It's... The
1: guys? It's weird, like,
0: looking upwards, and then, like, the wor- your world is horizontal through the yes, portal. Yes, it is.
1: I'm not going to step out of it, or else I'll fall onto the floor, quite embarrassingly. It's really bizarre. How did you like me story?
0: Well, I have a question about, because all these stories are based on your true experiences. Yes. Did you ever ninja gank a deer and then smoke it with your bare
1: hands? It's the only way to do it. <laughs> Execution style, my boy. <laughs>
3: well... Wouldn't an execution style being like shooting it in the back of the head while it faces the wall? I do that later. that's, oh, okay.
1: that's one execution.
3: That's one style of
0: execution, I guess. No, I would
1: like Splinter Cell. I get in there and I snap the neck.
0: <laughs> okay, all right. Now you know. Oh. can confirm that that you can perch between the walls high up on the ceiling. Yes, we've seen you do that.
1: I'm it right ago. now, in fact. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Neil Gaiman has every achievement see. in Splinter Cell <laughs> conviction.
1: Yes. <laughs> So this is a story about a storyteller telling a story. It's like an inception of storytelling, isn't it? Who's telling your story right now? Shit,
0: man, we got incepted.
1: We All got right, in- I'll leave you with that. Goodbye. Bye, <laughs> Neil.
0: We just got incepted hardcore. <laughs> do we dare continue with the podcast? Maybe that's what he wants us to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I think the only way out is forward. Forward. <laughs> obviously, I think obviously, like, it has to end... He can't ask Morpheus to give him a woman and get the woman. That would be awful.
2: Yeah. Be
0: pretty gross. But it's also making a point, which is, you know, better to have the dream than to than to have the thing that you want. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes the things you think you want, Ain't the things you want, they'd suck if you got them. In time, you may find that wanting is a somewhat different thing from having. What's that from? Uh, yeah, I, I misquoted the fuck out of it. It's from Star Trek.
3: Oh, okay. I was gonna say. Yeah, lines. yeah, yeah. I knew oh, that. I knew okay. that was familiar. In cool. time,
0: you may find that having is not so pleasant a thing as, as wanting. wanting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very good. What episode is that from? Amok Time. Oh, okay, cool. He's talking oh, to the guy who stole his wife. That's a good one. Time. That's where he wants to meet,
3: right? That's the one you Googled one time is, is that episode where Mr. Spock wants to have
2: sex. <laughs> I <laughs> found it. <laughs> you did find it. <laughs> you, you fucking did got find
3: there. It <laughs> all right next on the docket
0: this is sandman number 39 soft places written by neil gaiman the credits in this issue are in italian for fun art by john Watkiss. covered by dave mckeon yeah and the colors are by daniel vaso now john Watkiss is best known for his run on dead man that's the dead man who's a ghost who possesses people to help them well kind of not really it's complicated. There was a run of Dead Man that was kind of riffing on that general concept, but without really being about the same character. And that was the one that John Watkins drew. It's got a
1: good cover starring Mac Tonight.
3: Yeah, so, I'm sorry, what? We
1: cannot talk about Mac Tonight on this podcast. <laughs> We're just that would be a traffic attracting all the wrong
3: kind that's, of traffic. That's been
0: banned <laughs> from the beginning. Yeah, in the bylaws. I'm so sorry. So we, got, so we got this man. He's uh, sitting in a robe and he's looking dreamily into the distance. uh, I'll I'll come to that. Sorry. His desk is covered with sand and there's a skull half buried in the sand and an open treasure box full of grapes on a shelf uh, and the man's head is the crescent moon. Does anybody kind of very
1: else
0: there, huh? does, any, <laughs> does anybody else think that like just for this particular story arc, a lot of these covers sort of resemble something you'd see on an Enya album cover? <laughs> <laughs> they're
1: like super nineties, like, like can the best. they like age, <laughs> 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 Yeah, they kind of do. He looks. I, I love very, them, man. They're, they're kind of dated, I like
3: it. I he looks very wistful. Looks wise. I also feel like he looks like Benedict Cumberbatch. That just reminded him me
0: too. Yeah. <laughs> him too. I'm, I see him everywhere. That just reminded me because I, I was like. Oh, of course she knows who Enya is because of Lord of the Rings oh yeah. But, like, oh yeah but like it does kind of like now that I think about it like what an interesting choice it was in like 2001 2002 whenever that movie came out to be like you know who we're, we're gonna get like cutting edge of the moment singer oh, yeah. Enya oh, to, yeah. to do the big hit oh, yeah. song for and this. then
3: for the third movie they're like you know who's big the chick from Eurythmics <laughs> yeah.
0: that's a great song, yeah,
3: it's a song it's a good ass. I used to like walk up and down my hall at night like listening to that when I was in high school and be like like, I'm crossing for the Grey Hamath. I'm going to Valinor. I'm not yeah. going to high school. I'm yeah, going to I, I, I'm
0: I definitely yeah. didn't do that.
1: Well Nope. <laughs> we definitely didn't all do that. You, you didn't you didn't go to my high school. <laughs> Any of these covers would be good, like alternative pure moods covers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <stuff>? <laughs> like cassette like tape in the 90s. Uh, That's sort of more or less yeah. where I
0: was yeah.
3: <laughs> Return to the <your> <laughs> Or Pure
0: Moons if you prefer. Pure moons! Yeah. Oh my god, I did not uh, tell you! Podcast over. <laughs> there's,
3: there's this kid, Eric knows him, he works with us, his name is Brendan. And he started sending me music for, like, a little while. He's like, hey, check out this song, check out this song. And so then I sent him Return to Innocence from Pure Moods 1. Why? I don't know. It's just like, this song's kind of old. It's from the 90s. I was like, this song is also from the 90s. Yeah. Is that
1: your way of saying stop sending me music? Or your way of
0: saying... Whether
3: I was trying to say that or not, he did.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So we open in Anno Domini 1273. That means the year 1273. Marco Polo is lost in the desert. He's called Marco at first.
3: Yeah, I wrote Marco Polo? Polo? I also wrote that. (laughs) Yes! (laughs) Shows how freaking unoriginal I am. Same fucking (laughs) note (laughs) joke. Uh, He's born
1: in 1254. He's about 19 years old here. He hears
0: voices over the next dune. He thinks it must be his father's caravan. But when he gets there, there's nothing there. The sand is soft beneath his feet, we are told. And then he panics. Yeah, and we get... This is a sort of a two-page spread... But the second page has a whole bunch of panels over it. But for at least one page, it's just uninterrupted, sweeping sand laid out before him. We have a page here of him trying to make some headway across the desert. We touch on all five senses and why they're no help to him. And eventually he passes out. Yeah, I just wrote that there's lots of sand. That was my takeaway from all these words on this fucking page. Boy falls down a dune. Right, it's gritty and it gets everywhere.
3: (laughs) Yeah, not like you, you're soft.
1: I don't like those Tuscan Raiders I murdered.
3: <laughs> these potato monsters the, I'm riding around the, on. The women and children
1: like animals. They're like so sandy. Wait, <laughs> wait a minute, potato monsters.
3: Oh my god, We okay. watched that scene. He is like riding around okay, on a not, potato. Not in that scene. <laughs> he's not like
1: riding around on the potato monster. Be like, I kill all the kids. No, <laughs> oh, <he's>, uh, <laughs> it's really not scene where he that says is that. So much, and the, I don't okay. like sand like, scene. He goes and they're on Naboo and they're having like roll around in the field. There's these big sort of like gourd looking creatures and they're like, like oh, spherical oh, cows. Yeah, and they're rolling around and. Anakin makes it look like he almost dies. He doesn't almost die. He's like, oh my god, you're dead. And he's like, no, I got thrown by a gourd. You, you know I what's... killed all the women and children. <laughs> he loves
0: it. You know what's really sad? Yeah. Is that it has not been a long time since I saw that movie. No. It's been maybe four months. And I don't even remember this. And it doesn't hold up. No, it doesn't, it doesn't hold up at
3: all. Four months later.
0: Yeah. yeah. I Now that you tell me about it, I remember yeah, it. Yeah. But, but yeah.
1: stuff ever.
0: But <laughs> it's like... It has not been a long time, and I still completely <laughs> forgot that. Mm-hmm. So, There's no problem with that. So Marco wakes up in the desert, and his he's rubbing sand from his eyes, his, he wakes up face down in the sand. Sandman name check. Yeah, he recalls the tale of the Sandman. You can't see him, Marco, but he can see you. We are told. Yeah, and some kind of nun or <laughs> some kind of nun or queen is telling him this story in his memory. It's a young boy. Suddenly he hears a voice singing. The voice is singing the song Come Home Bill Bailey, which is a song published in 1902. (laughs) What? What? This is 1273. (laughs) He's hearing other voices, snatches of pop songs and poems. I just thought my conclusion was that it was all Louis Armstrong songs, except for one Lou Reed song. There's a line at the bottom of this page here. Any view of things that is not strange is false. That's often attributed to Neil Gaiman. A lot of people Mm. don't follow that. The original source, which is the French poet Paul Valery. How about that? Oh, okay. I didn't like look him up. I was just like, like oh, Louis Armstrong, Lou Reed, Louis Armstrong.
3: Oh, you're oh, just f- focusing on the song. I thought lyrics. there was
0: a I thought there was a Lou thing going on. Oh, okay, oh. yeah. yeah. Marco hears a voice calling his name. Marco.
1: It's before the game was invented. Someone says his last. Yeah, name. Yeah, right. Right. He just runs toward it Yeah. Yet
3: <laughs> he thinks it's his father, but it ain't his father. It's a different guy. This is a guy named Rusticello
0: of Pisa, who will be Marco's cellmate in Genoa many years later. Marco Polo actually writes his famous account of his journey to Asia in this prison, and Rusticello writes it down. I did not feel like writing Rusticello in my notes, so I consistently referred to him as Old Rusty.
3: Old Rusty. Rusty! That's me! He kind of looks like a guy who'd be called Old Rusty, too. He kind of looks like, I don't know, like... He acts like your unsavory uncle who comes to your grad party and comments that, like, girls are getting bustier all the time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> He's like, like, maybe
1: not really your uncle. He's like your dad's
2: friend. He's like your dad's friend, but you <laughs> always like called, like called him Uncle, uncle Rusty. Rusty. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: <laughs> so Marco asks now, where are Rusticello's people? Rusticello says he has no people, so Marco starts calling him solo. Ah! <laughs> uh, uh, topical! Uh, hurts my brain. <laughs> yeah, he also makes reference to his own buddy, Marco Millions. Uh, yeah. Oh, he does, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and this this Marco that he's just met in the desert can't be Marco Millions, because he's only 19. Marco Millions is much older than that.
2: Yeah.
3: So Rusticello
0: is kind of displaced in time here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's
3: some time effery going on And they start
0: talking, and he's like, shut up, shut up, I have a creepy thing to recite. And then he does. Yeah. Well, Marco says this is the desert of Lop telling him you know, mm-hmm. where he has teleported accidentally.
3: Which is just I north just... of Tibet and India in and, yeah, it's in yeah. China.
0: I just assumed when it was Marco Polo that it was the Gobi Desert because that's the only desert in Asia that I know <laughs> off the that's top of me. my head. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> it it yeah, no, it is
3: a ty- entirely yeah. different desert. And...
0: So Rusticello starts reciting this long bit from Marco's book about the Desert of Lop.
1: He remembers that bit from the book. The art is really cool in this part. It's all hatching, and there's a, uh, like, the typeface changes, like, lettering was really cool. I really like that.
0: Mm. I don't read the whole thing, but it's about spirits calling out to men who get separated, calling to them in their own names to lure them to their deaths. And there's a really great drawing of these spectral riders. Some people see or hear a host of riders. Some hear strains of music, like Marco did a couple pages ago. They don't call it by name, but they're sort of describing the wild hunt.
3: Yeah, oh, that's yeah. true. There are some there mm-hmm. are some similarities there. Sort of
0: a European or German legend of a band of spectral riders or hunters that are seen riding overhead. Some people believe that a person's spirit could be called to join the hunt in their dreams. After reciting this bit, Rusticello says Marco Polo wrote that, and Marco says, "That's me." Marco Polo, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> so Rusticello concludes that he is dreaming. More like the dreaming, am I right? Uh. <laughs> and he says. He says Marco is just a figure in his dream.
3: Marco's like, "No, I'm not." And one, I'm, like, I'm, "Yeah, you are." And he's I'm like, no "I'm dreaming. not." And that like, yeah, goes yeah. on
0: for seven pages. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the rest of the comic. <laughs> it's
1: like who's on dreaming for like yeah. two pages. Who's on dreaming?
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is sort of a through the looking glass moment here. He mm-hmm. says, "I don't feel like something in a dream." How would you know? It's
3: true. So as they're walking together, they see a fire. Marco Polo, thinking it must be his father and his father's men, suggests they go toward it, but it's not. It's this this old gentleman. I
0: thought that it looked like Teddy Roosevelt. I and actually so that's, had the same so, but, thought. But I remembered that I always thought that Fiddler's Green looked like Teddy Roosevelt, so I was like, yes. oh, oh, it looks like gonna... Teddy Roosevelt, which means it's supposed to be G.K. Chesterton, which means it's Fiddler's Green. Yes,
3: yes, exactly. Although he doesn't say that his name is Fiddler's Green at this moment. But... Yeah, this is Gilbert. He almost has we to put play... it back in the doll's
0: house yeah yeah he always has to play it real cagey with what his name is Yes, yes,
1: yeah he's like a place but also a guy but also like plus he wants to reveal it at the most impactful moment like he name drops eventually but it's not like that's my name he has a flair for the
0: dramatic which yeah i guess since he was created by morpheus is not surprising
1: he also gives the titular line he talks about soft Soft places. places
0: He also invites them to drink some toke with him, which that's two drinks of toke. Two so obsessed issues. with
3: toke. Hey, a oh, couple man. of
1: months in
0: 1992, Gannon was enjoying some toke. It's
3: like, I just discovered this <laughs> thing, it's called toke. Yeah,
0: Rosticello wants to basically just sit down and get drunk with this guy. He's like, I'm in a dream. I realize I'm in a dream. That's a rare and valuable thing. Let's just get loaded. Yeah. Well, and he, I think he keeps hoping that some dream ladies will show up. Yeah, yeah, he does. To change fundamentally what kind of dream yes. it
1: is.
3: <laughs> <has a> dream <laughs> But Fiddler's Green says that he's trying to get away from all that, too. Yeah,
1: especially with, like, his boss and new girlfriend. Yes. Ugh. Yeah. yeah.
0: I also like here that Rusticello says, Don't worry, Marco found his way out of this desert 30 years ago. <laughs> so we're not in any danger.
1: Yeah, right. I do like how Fiddler's Green says whom a lot. I always like that about him. Whom. Whom.
0: Oh, yeah. Like I, a sound hum. effect. Hum. I, I used to try to write down every whom, but then I forgot that I did that for this issue, so I didn't do it this there's time.
1: There's, like, three whoms in this there's one. There's several. Yeah. yeah. So...
0: That didn't catch uh, Gilbert them all. Changes the subject from his boss's new girlfriend to let's just sit here and tell each other some stories. Mm-hmm. Which unsurprising in a Sandman issue.
3: So Marco starts telling him the story of his current quest, how when he was very young, his father went to China and met Kublai Khan and wanted to convert Kubla Khan and Kubla Khan's people, but because Kublai Khan had these sort of mystics who could perform miracles had, for him. He
0: had really good miracle workers. He and did. he was like, You ain't getting this he's like unless, unless
3: you can bring me some christians who can do this shit 000, i'm gonna stick with just, Buddhism. just to
0: be safe you better send me 100, 100 miracle workers go back to your pope and tell him to send me 100 christian miracle workers who will show my priests that your christ can work miracles as great as those of their Gautama buddha yes so that kind of reminds me of that part you know in the bible where like Moses is like he's got to have like a magic duel with the pharaoh's dudes. Yeah. Oh yeah, they like and he turns his staff into his a snake. snake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah they yeah. turn their staffs into snakes and his snake eats those snakes. Oh, is that how that goes? That's how it goes. Yeah. Well, that's Fucking ponage, right
3: there. <laughs> <laughs> you can't come back from that. <laughs> you
0: can't come back. <laughs> Where's your stick at now? What are you gonna Not do? Get
3: your stick. And your stick too, bitch. Also, now all the rivers are blood. Deal with it. <laughs> what
2: you
3: gonna do now?
0: <laughs> I like the idea of like the the sunglasses like dropping out of Moses. <laughs> deal, deal with it. it.
3: So, but unfortunately, they don't have access to Moses. Um, so they, they don't really even have access to the Pope. Oh, I looked this up. This is a funny story.
0: Popes are notoriously difficult to access. Yes. They have have special cars.
3: Well, (laughs) what happened is in the 13th century, they had to pick a new pope. And the papal conclave took two years and three months to do it. And the people without a Pope started getting so irritated that first they decided to try and like starve them out. Like if you don't pick a Pope, you're going to starve. Then they ripped the roof off the building and they're like, just pick a Pope already. And they finally did. But the problem is the Pope they picked was away fighting in a war. And so then they had to wait like eight or nine more months for him to come back from the crusades. So it was like three years without a Pope.
0: Wow. Yeah. So they have to wait three years to get to talk to the Pope, and when they do, he doesn't have a single miracle worker. Jeez, it's kind of a, crap. a crappy Pope. Seriously. Is this the same papal crisis that was mentioned in Men of Good Fortune? That or would have been a little while later. That was in the 1300s, was right? Is that the Babylonian oh, okay. captivity? It was in 1389. It was the year of two Popes. Oh, yeah, Babylonian yeah, captivity.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Gilbert pops in here to offer St. Joseph of Copertino, who can actually fly, but he's a bit after their time.
3: He's also a bit dumb. Wikipedia mentioned it, too. Gilbert like, oh, says that as well. He like remarkably unclever is how Wikipedia puts it. Yeah.
0: Wow. <laughs>
3: Yikes. Fuck.
0: He's a dumbass. Man, ass. if Wikipedia is like, it's not even controversial, we can just put it right yeah, in the right, article right, that right, you're no a dumb-dumb? Dumb. It's okay. like, I mean, Wikipedia doesn't say that George W. Bush is a dumb-dumb. No, no. <laughs>
3: you know. This
1: guy's stupid. But maybe he was just so dumb he didn't know he couldn't fly.
0: <laughs> that's
3: possible, well, maybe <laughs> that's how it works.
0: Yeah. Like Wiley e. Coyote, but he Yeah, exactly. Down. Yeah, 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 exactly. When Marco is 16, they finally set out with these two Dominican priests who can cast very minor miracles, but they both get scared and turn back before they even get to Syria. I think there's a line in here that I wanted to mention. He says the thing about getting across the souls of cities. Yeah. Marco mentions here that he's seen some great cities, and Rusticello says, Yeah, that's what's great about you. You're good at describing cities, bro. Everybody's I mean, got to be good yeah. at something. Let's re- read the actual quote. Yes, that was your genius, being able to describe cities. Not just the land or the trade, but the soul of the city. What made it uniquely itself. Okay. Here is where Rusticello mentions also that he is writing down Marco's story for him in prison.
1: Yeah. Lots of jelly babies being mentioned. Yeah. By Fiddle's uh, Green. <laughs>
0: he also says whom here, which is the oh, only God. one of... You said there were like three, but yeah. it's the only one that I caught and wrote down, so... And he's got some uh, some Bramston pickle here as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that shit is good. I like eating it when you can get it in the states. Yeah.
1: Then the Ghost Riders show up.
0: Yeah, the Wild Hunt rides up. They're seeking the world they say, but every world they find is not the real one. Gilbert says their business is with his master, Dream, and the lead hunter asks, "If we ever return to the Hard Lands, there are some amongst us who believe that we would die of old age, crumbling to dust like the men in the tales." Others claim that we would return to the world on the day we left it and live out the span of our lives, and all the time we spent in this place would fade and vanish like a dawn dream on waking that colors the day but cannot be touched or remembered. Which would it be, sir? Which would it be? I wish I knew. Yeah, and that's when he refers them to Morpheus. Yeah. He's like, listen, take it up with the management. So basically, Gilbert goes, oh,
1: that's my boss.
0: After they leave, Marco Polo asks, are they dreams too? Oh yes, after their fashion, Fiddler's Green replies, but then we are all dreams in our fashion. Rusticello pops in. I'm not. Yeah, of course. Yeah, sure, sure, <laughs> sure, sure, So Marco asks where they are, and Gilbert explains this is a soft place.
3: It's a soft, it, it's very cute, it's a soft place. It's, it's a soft place. <laughs> soft place for soft boys. A, a, a cuddly place. cuddly <laughs> place. They're like
0: desserts. Basically, <laughs> it's a place that nobody knows, so it's not real, it's just a dream. It intrudes on the dreaming yeah and like the soft places as time goes on kind of get killed by explorers as more and more of the world is known and charted there's less like unknown places where the dreaming can bleed into the world so So in a
3: way Gilbert says it's kind of Marco Polo's fault
0: a lot of you explorers and the ones who came after you froze the world to rigid patterns
1: boo (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's a few examples I like the one he mentions about the mountain in Arizona that keeps moving around
3: Oh, it's only there occasionally. Yeah, yeah. An (laughs) occasional mountain in
0: Arizona. It's not a very big mountain, but it's only there occasionally. (laughs) He also mentions that he is visiting 700 years later in Mm 1992. Listen, when I was in Arizona back in December, we spent you know, probably like an hour and a half driving around looking for a mountain one time, so I believe this.
3: Yeah. Well, maybe it was only there occasionally. Right. Huh? So we had couldn't to, find we it. We had to wait for it to respawn. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it'll respawn. Well, you know. Three instance. It, yeah. It got killer, and then it had to, like, run back to its corpse. <laughs> <took a while. laughs> Do you think it's a
0: little bit ethnocentric, the idea that if people haven't been there, then it's not real yet? Maybe a little. Oh, yeah, I guess that's kind of true because, you know, just because, like, Europeans haven't charted and discovered a place doesn't mean that, you know, like, the the whole history of, like, European explorers... Finding places. Right. And it's like, there's already people
1: living there, dude. You can find it. (laughs) I feel like those places probably already existed, already were locked into their patterns.
3: I mean, what they're talking- about
1: unknown villages in South America, where it's like, the people have never seen other humans, right?
3: They're probably already a solid place. I think they're talking more about places like the middle of the Desert of Lop, where like, no human being can live. Yeah, right. Has been in
1: a very long time, not been charted.
0: So yeah, maybe it is a slightly ethnocentric idea that Neil Gaiman is indulging in here, that there are like places in the world that are somewhat less than real, less than fully real. But, I mean, it still has a kind of romantic appeal to it that mm-hmm. I can understand. Mm-hmm. This is also where Gilbert asks if Marco has heard of a place called Fiddler's Green. Also, like, you know, this is a desert. Like, no one can live there full time for long, so you don't really have to have to worry too much about the the ethnocentric implications of like having a, a soft place in the middle of a
3: right barren That's desert what I was saying yeah 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 does he describe
0: part of the ocean as being soft probably should have especially she had underwater like deep, deep we still don't know what all's down there stuff. that whole maybe thing's that, one
3: big soft place maybe that plastic part oh nope he doesn't
0: that some people you know he should there's controversy as to its he existence should.
3: By the way, I want you guys to know that when I googled Fiddler's Green, I got a map to a road that was 9 minutes away in Farmington Hills. Let's <laughs> go Yeah, let's go. There. Yeah, let's yes, go. We true. can all go there now. On location. Any listeners who are in yeah. Southeast Michigan, you too can go to Fiddler's Green. <laughs> it's in a crappy subdivision. <laughs> hey,
1: he's right here. Don't don't talk bad
3: about. Oh, him. sorry, dude. Yeah.
0: So Gilbert picks up the tankards and says goodbye. He's off to wherever all the dreams go. Marco will also be going there soon, Rusticello thinks, but then he vanishes in a swirl of moonlight, and then Morpheus appears. I love this exchange. Are you a Dream as well?
1: Yes. Yes, I am Dream. Which is a very weird response if you didn't know his name was Dream. Yes. Right. Yeah. Does this guy speak English?
0: (laughs) But it turns out that Dream is too weak to help Marco right now, because he has just freed himself from captivity at the end of Sandman
1: number one. In the timeline, yeah, this is pretty early on. He's wearing all black in the desert. It seems like a really bad idea.
3: Well, but they mentioned earlier that it was getting kind of chilly. Okay, so maybe sure it's not. fine.
0: Yeah, and he's not getting a sunburn. I mean, <laughs> you can look at it and see that. Marco gives him some water and tells Dream about... He tells Dream about the woman. Why did I write that down? Oh, yeah, he tells Dream that he's walking all the time with his woman. And He's like, what are you talking about? Yes, know. Fiddler's Green had mentioned that Dream is always having romantic walks there with his new girlfriend who we don't know anything about yet yeah dream asks if marco knows who the woman is and marco doesn't remember because he didn't get any details right and dream has a good line here it is not important it has happened already or it is still to come
1: and forewarned is seldom forearmed very good it raises an important question though do endless need water
0: and if so how many glasses a day well,
1: when he gets out of
0: the crystal cell in the first issue, right? Yeah, yeah, He survived for 70 years in it, but the first thing he did was get some food and water. Right. So did I guess they... he doesn't need it, but he does get hungry and thirsty. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sandman doesn't want to be too too sandy down there in the, no, in right. the throat whole that's area. Why he, uh, that's why he stole somebody's fried chicken. Oh, that's my favorite. That's, <laughs> yeah, my, that's my favorite true. thing in that first issue so is funny. that he steals that fried chicken. I
1: mean, if you drink too much water, he'd be a mug man. and no, you don't want that.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So Marco gives him some water, Yeah. and as thanks, Dream agrees to get him out of the soft place. Yeah,
0: yeah. even though he may not have the strength to get both of them out, he sends Marco back to reality. I just like how Marco asks if he's always so pale, and Dream says, That depends on who's watching. Which is something that we know to be true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, So Dream says, And you do not know how fortunate you are. I do. No. You don't. Morpheus pours some sand in between Marco's hands. Marco swears never to forget what he's seeing, but then he plunges into darkness and falls asleep. Or returns to sleep? Whatever. He's awakened by a horse's bells, and his father finds him sleeping in the sand. He's trying to remember, and
1: he's like, these patterns, these, these cool shapes in the sand, and dream. He can't remember. Those dreams you forget as soon as you wake up. But his father also heard the wild
0: hunt, and he says, you can't have been more than a hundred feet from us all the time. Dreams and illusions breed in this damn place. Oh, yeah. So, so he, he hit upon something in a dream that he wanted to tell people about, but he couldn't remember it. Right? Mm-hmm. Just like in Kubla Khan. Yes. Not the guy, but the poem right, not, by not, Samuel not Taylor. Coleridge. poem. And his father tells him in the future mm-hmm. to just ignore dreams. Thus it is that the desert is crossed. Yeah, so let's talk about that issue a little bit. I was happy to see Fiddler's agreeing again, but I found it, on the whole, kind of uneventful. That is probably
1: the most disposable issue of Sandman to me. Yeah, it's it's fine, but it's not like the one I'd run back to read again. It's a lot of sand panels, and you know,
0: not the one that I'd hand to a friend it's to be some, like, "Hey, yeah. you've got to get into this comic book." It's got some
1: really cool art? I think like the way the like the uh, desert strata, like the like the kind of cross-hatching sections they had and they're telling the, like the, the story. But yeah, otherwise, didn't take as many notes on this one as the other
0: one. I kind
3: of forgot was... about it from when I yeah, last I, read Sandman. Yeah, I came back right. to it a
1: little bit, but I totally kind
0: of forgot about it. There's something that feels a little overreaching about the idea of the soft places, that Morpheus is lord of all that isn't, but also he can warp reality. Dreams can warp mm. reality. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I guess from a cosmological perspective, Neil Gaiman maybe bit off a little more than he could chew saying there. saying here that a lot of reality is also a dream. I also felt like you kind of have to know your life of Marco Polo. They don't do
1: a lot of hand-holding in this one. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Right into it. You kind of assume, oh, a guy you know, named Marco.
3: I mean, they mentioned Dude. he's on his way to Shangdu, which is right. Xanadu, which is right. where Kublai Khan lived, but if you didn't know that, it'd be like, okay. <laughs> That's why these comics for smart people, not dum-dums. To be fair, you have to have a pretty high IQ to understand Sandman. Not like oh, flying
1: my right. God. <laughs> oh, boy. That's right, you do. I'm oh, back again.
3: where did you come from this time, Neil?
1: I was in a bowl.
3: A bowl? <laughs> it's a soft place. Wow. There's a soft place at the bottom of this cereal bowl. That's because,
0: that's because there's still some Hungry Jack left in there. Well, listen, <laughs> I don't think this is going to be the first time that understanding of, of
1: the Sandman series was gleaned with the help of a bowl. <laughs> ah, ah yeah, yeah. That's very funny. It's a it's a drug joke, isn't it?
3: Neil, have you ever done drugs?
1: No. But yes, all of them. <laughs> this story was based on my experience with soft places. You say it's ethnocentric, but it's very centric to Neil Gaiman's life, in fact. Where did I you...
0: didn't know that you could hear us when we said it was ethnocentric. Oh, I can hear you everywhere.
1: <laughs> You're dreaming it, and I can hear it. Where did you encounter the soft place? Well, I was inspired for this story. I was at me mate Quentin's pool party, and we were playing Marco Polo, and I said, Marco, and no one answered, and I opened my eyes, and I was in the middle of a desert, so it turns out that Quentin's pool was a soft place in June of 1979, and I wandered through yelling Marco, Marco, for what seemed like centuries.
0: Did you eventually meet Marco Polo?
1: No. Eventually, I fell on the ground, dead. And then when I awoke, I was on
3: the edge of Quentin's pool, and his sister, Rebecca, was giving me mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. That she was a real soft place, eh? 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 I was just about to say that. (laughs) You've read me like a book. I'm a storyteller, after all.
1: She was quite foxy. And after that, no one at school could call me gay man anymore.
0: (laughs) Well, Rusticello, at least, certainly feels like this issue could have used some of Rebecca
1: well i'm saving her for my own dream palace thank you very much hey, yeah, right, that's, right. that's kind of weird yeah, <laughs> hey yeah that's right we had a
0: complaint uh-huh. in the last issue that the story didn't have enough female perspective in this one rusticello complaining the whole time that the issue has no women in it completely different reasoning, reasoning
3: yes
1: it's like it's a theme or something it's like poetry it rhymes i'll leave you to it boys and girls back into the bowl <laughs> okay thanks
0: neil bye neil if i wash that will y- are you gonna be okay no oh <laughs> who am i kidding i'm not gonna wash it <laughs> is it possible that your dish sink is a soft voice <laughs> i don't lord i don't quite know what's in there <laughs> so that brings us to sandman number 40 the parliament of rooks written by neil gaiman pencils by jill thompson from scary godmother oh yeah colors by daniel vasso Cover by Dave McKeon. Yeah, and the inks are by Vince Locke, who is also the guy who inked, if not the last issue, then the one before it. He inked one other in this story arc. On the cover, we have a woman in a kimono, and her face, I'm going to get it first this time, is a giant screeching raven. Yeah, it is.
1: There's also a little puppet of death. Yeah, this little cutesy death sliding down this tree. Chippy death. death. The woman is holding the skull that showed up in the last... Cover as well, that's right. It's kind of the dog skull, maybe. I'm not sure what kind of animal it's supposed to be.
3: I have a question. Yeah. Did Dave McKean, like? They didn't have Photoshop back then. Did he actually like set these pictures up and take them? Well,
1: he posed in them. That's all him.
3: Oh, it's always him. Is it? I don't Amazing. Know. <laughs> I just want to know how he made um, these. They, I, I do. He did is
1: use
0: a, Photoshop, but he did take a lot of photographs. It's a like collage search. stuff. Yeah. Okay. Like all of the ones that look like a shelf. Yeah. A lot of the ones are bracketed with shelves, and he really had a pair of shelves, and yeah. he would yeah. set things on. And gotcha. Take photographs. He would paint the cover and put it between these shelves and take a photograph of the whole thing. That's pretty cool. Cool. Oh, I see. Well, that wasn't done like post. He actually put the painting between the shelves. Yeah. Wow. What a dude. We don't talk enough on this podcast about how great Dave McKeon is, but he provides almost every cover that we talk about, and a lot of them are really, really good.
1: Yeah. Yard and Sandman across the board is pretty good. You know, like, they get pretty good people on board.
0: Yeah. I talked extensively about how much I liked Sam Keith in those first few issues. Oh, yeah, shoots, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, yeah.
1: It changes, like, every chapter.
0: But Jill Jill Thompson's really good, too. Yeah. And this issue really benefits from having her on pencils. So we jump in here on Light Hall and her baby Daniel. Remember them? I do remember them. So back in the doll's house... The Golden Age Sandman had been living in a dream palace until Sandman found out about it and thought that he should probably stop pretending to be the Sandman. So he kicked them out, and Lyta finally had her baby, who she'd been carrying for several years now in the dream world. Oh, yeah. That's Daniel. And Morpheus said, That baby belongs to me. And Lyta said, Fuck you, dude. Yeah, and we both thought that he was being kind of a horse's ass.
3: You kind of- being a horse did you carry it no you did not so it's not your baby Mm,
0: I made that baby on accident I want it now I've just (laughs) decided
3: what's he even gonna do with? like does he seem like the kind of guy who could raise a baby no no he's (laughs) just got
0: very low patience I don't think he can even hold a baby no
3: he seems like the kind of guy where as soon as it starts crying he's just like ugh and he doesn't know what to do and he just walks away
1: Hunter Hunter stay out of that it's (laughs) yucky (laughs) Why are you all sticky, Hunter? <laughs> what have you been in? Why are you randomly sticky?
0: <laughs> he doesn't have a son, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Yeah, who he probably fucking never talked to until adulthood. Because he's a bad yeah. Certainly never talked to you after adulthood. Uh... Yeah. Anyway, but Lida and Daniel, let's focus on their domestic situation. Lida is telling the story of Goldilocks. So we jump right in on a story being told. Yeah.
3: And having finished her story, she decides it's time to put Daniel down for a nap.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you got a kid who's mixed up with Morpheus already, and you decide that what you're going to do is first tell that kid a story, and then put that kid to sleep... You're just asking for trouble.
3: You're playing with fire. <laughs> Lida. I
1: gotta say Daniel's face is like super unimpressed on this page. I love how just like, it's like whatever She's like, is. I'm not give sucks, a
0: crap dude. about
3: these bears.
0: <laughs> it may be worth noting here that she tells a version of Goldilocks with a happy ending. Goldilocks runs home and she's fine.
3: Oh yeah, yeah she does kind of emphasize that. Maybe that's why he's not impressed. He's like, I wanted some blood and guts mom. Come like, what I, is this? I, I thought
0: this was a horror yeah, comic This part. is garbage mom. <laughs> So, okay, so she puts Daniel down for a nap. She calls her friend Carla. If I don't talk to an adult soon, I'm going to start climbing the wall. And she just starts bitching about Daniel to Carla. I do want to point out here that she calls Daniel Baby Cakes, which is the name of a fairly fucked up story by Neil Gaiman.
2: Oh, there you go. Oh.
0: Is it in the Graveyard Book? It is not in the Graveyard Book. <laughs> well, I haven't read it in, in either case. And there's a pretty good panel here of... Daniel staring dissatisfied left in the crib. Jesus. Can you tell us what makes it fucked up? You don't have to put it in the episode. Oh, yeah. Okay, but just, super like, brief summary. All of the meat animals die, so we find one that we can still eat. Oh. Babies? Babies. It's, so it's like a modest it's, proposal.
1: Yeah, it's exactly what okay. can. Okay. Nice. Okay, yeah, so next page has Lida on the phone with Carla, and she's just like telling all these Kind of humorous little anecdotes, but basically, why she's why babies are the worst and why you should never have one. Valid.
0: Yeah, I find these stories to be kind of cute. Actually, they're funny, but you can tell she's just like so fed up with baby world. But she's not talking about being annoyed with Daniel per se. No, she's talking about how basically she's always in baby mode and can't turn it off. Right,
1: motherhood has gotten the best of her.
0: She's got the child-proofing brain. It's yeah, just child-proofing everything she sees.
1: She cuts up her dates' steak when they go out for dinner. She says,
0: Daniel just gets everywhere. It won't be long before he figures out how to get out of his crib. Well, there's a carrot in the VCR,
1: too. Yeah? Unbelievable. Daniel. The Um, carrot in the VCR is a true story.
0: (laughs) Cut to Daniel getting out of his crib.
1: Yep. And wandering off into dreams.
0: Yeah, we have a a story about fucking up a VCR, but it wasn't wasn't really our fault. Do you remember this story? I remember the story. We had rented a VCR for some reason. I don't remember why we didn't have one, because we had one when we were kids but we had a rented vcr in a bag my grandma took us out to mcdonald's we had chicken nuggets we had honey she decided we should keep the partially finished packets of honey put them in the bag with the vcr <laughs> and that vcr was never fun it was <laughs> <Yeah.
3: laughs> sticky
0: vcr so it wasn't
3: you guys it was grandma yeah
0: it was really like i said it wasn't really our fault but yeah mom and dad ended up having to pay an arm and a leg to replace no. our rented vcr
1: Time we could rent a VR. Those are probably pretty expensive, right?
0: Right. Yeah. Sheesh.
3: Grandma. Grandma.
1: Grandma.
0: So this is a fantastic bit as Daniel is walking into Dream because he's got the alphabet, you know, the Earth human English alphabet, written on his wall here, and as he walks on past it, it turns into weird
1: shit, runes, like nonsense runes and alien language. Yeah, it's like baby's day out here, but he's going into a dreamland.
2: Yeah. <laughs> he
0: yeah. walks up and he grabs this scary looking thing by the tail. It's Gregory. Gregory. Doggy.
3: Doggy. Doggy.
0: And he goes, ork. <laughs> Love sound That's a fantastic sound. Yeah.
3: You kind of sounded like Tim the Toolman.
0: A <gasps> <laughs> 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 terrifying thing that he grabs by the tail. He grabs Tim Allen by Tim the tail. <laughs> <laughs> So Daniel and Gregory keep going. They run into Matthew
1: the Raven, who guides Daniel up the steps to the House of Secrets. Big fan of Matthew. Love whenever he shows up. Yes.
3: And
0: Matthew is, of course, Matthew Cable from Swamp Thing. That's
1: right. And on the way, they run into Eve.
0: Yeah. I like this here as Matthew is wondering about the rules of the dreaming. Rules. Hey, this place is full of more rules than you could shake a stick at. Sometimes I think he makes them up as he goes along. Yeah, that sounds about right. But Eve says he made them up a very long time ago, and making the rules is
1: part of his nature. It's his thing.
3: Sounds about right.
1: to take him up to. I forgot that Abel had a cool base motel house.
3: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But he does.
0: Was it's... it
3: drawn this way
0: the last time we saw it? I don't think. It... I think it was no it, it had like more like rounded doorways and stuff i mm-hmm. remember that it's more angular do you think that's
3: intentional or do you think that the artist was just like, well, like in the, that's the cool thing about the dreamy stuff can change i mean you can justify basically yeah. anything.
0: yeah he picks up daniel she's surprised to discover that he's a human child not a dream and she carries him
3: up to the house
0: what is he i thought he was a dream at first but he doesn't talk
3: no he's a human child
0: yeah so what's his story his uh is uh his name is daniel Well, won't you all c- come in this is a uh, indeed an um an honor that is abel right hemming and hawing right like he always does Poor abel. he's wearing one of those like texas tie things bolo, bolo tie yeah. so not to get too deep into it but the original frame story of the house of secrets has abel either forced or paid to live in basically a haunted house mm. in kentucky oh okay that's kind of cool that's fun Abel invites the man, he offers them some refreshment, there's a great dialogue here about rats. A rat would be great, with the eyes in, for preference. I'll, uh, see, see what we can do. It's weird being a raven. I mean, you really are a raven when you're a raven. When he gave me the option of staying with you as a big black bird or moving on, I suppose I figured I'd be a man in a raven's body. Nope, it don't work like that. I'm a raven. One of the Corvide family.
1: He starts dishing on all the other corvids, jackdaws, rooks, magpies, crows.
0: Right. Rooks, he says, are just weird. That'll come back. Yes. Yeah, and they start doing this little rhyme about rooks, and then Abel delivers the rat. (laughs) Here you are, rat. It's a bit rotten, I'm afraid. No problem. They taste better that way. Gives them some flavor.
1: You also get introduced to Goldie.
0: Yeah, I wanted to mention, Daniel gets introduced to Goldie here, who is who is great.
1: Goldie's very cute. It's very much like a, I don't know, she reminds me of like Phone Bone or something. Like she's real kind of 90s. Oh, yeah,
3: yeah, 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 yeah. I indie can see comic that, design. For sure. Know, or
1: like Cerebus or something. Like it just reminds me do that.
3: She's real adorable. Yeah. Cute. Matthew once again calls her Doggy.
0: Oh, that's really cute. Eve says his name's Goldie and... Daniel says, Goddy. GoD. I also love that on this page, Eve says, You can choose your friends, my love. You can't choose your family. It's true, it's true. Especially in her case. Next page. Kane's here. Yeah, when Kane first showed up, I, I have to admit I thought it was
1: Lucy. I wrote the same thing down. I had the same problem. I read this through the first time, reading the same, and every time Cain would show up, I was—is that Lucy? They're both
0: these uh, tall, lanky fellows with, with red hair. hair. Yeah, yeah. And his Cain has a beard, and he's
3: more like a dickish leprechaun. Yeah, Lucian
0: has pointy ears. And,
3: <laughs> yeah, he's a dick leprechaun. Like if a leprechaun showed up and was just like, "Hi, lady, I'm a dick."
0: Dickish leprechauns will make another appearance in American Gods. Yes, uh
3: uh-huh, I, yes, I read indeed. through here and be like, "Why is why is Lucy such an asshole?" So, <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's a bit here where abel asks about morpheus and matthew says they've been pretty inseparable for the last few weeks mm,
2: Eve, yeah uh, Eve so this does is... not
0: have high hopes for this relationship either so this is another allusion to morpheus's new girlfriend who we haven't met or learned anything about yet right they're
3: all bagging on her though <laughs> everybody he hates his girlfriend man yeah
0: so, Kane appears. He's actually reclining on the alligator which is hanging from the ceiling, right? He is. It's a hell of a way to make
1: an entrance. <laughs> and it's mentioned in the next page that he sounds like Vincent Price, which I love. It's like a Vincent Price kind of voice.
0: Abel is not happy to see
1: Kane, but Kane is delighted to be here. Yeah, us. he is. Well, bless my boots and chin whiskers. Do my eyes deceive me? Could it be? Is my beloved brother actually having a party without me? Oh, be still, my trembling heart. A human child, really? Well, well, well. Three old storytellers have found themselves an audience where wonders never cease. I got kind of nasally there, but that's okay. <laughs> it's Eve, It's Eve, as close uh, as we're getting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eve
0: says she stopped telling stories, and Cain says nobody stops, which might be a reference to the fact that Eve's uh, series wasn't running. But anyway, Eve had a series too. Yeah, she's another old horror host. Oh, okay, that's really? interesting. Secrets of Haunted House, I want to say. There's, there's a lot of houses and a lot of secrets. Yeah, yeah well, speaking of them being old horror hosts, Matthew says, lay off, Kane. Anyway, I came here for a secret. And grabbing him by his little bird neck. His oh-so-twistable neck. Yeah. Cain <laughs> uh, says, are you sure you wouldn't prefer a mystery? Now, if I have this right, that's a reference to the fact that Abel was the host of House of Secrets, and he was the host of House of Mysteries. Right. Okay. There
1: you go.
0: So, yeah, and there's the whole conflict between the two of them, between secrets and mysteries, that uh, kind of runs through this issue.
1: Before we move on, there is a panel with Gregory drinking tea. That's very cute. And it, the sound he makes, <gasps> I think it's a Godzilla reference.
3: I think it is. You know, I was just going to say that. It says,
1: squee-ronk, which,
3: it's, <laughs> squee-ronk. It's a Godzilla sound. That's a
1: hell yeah. of an eye, man. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Ryan is obsessed with Godzilla.
0: That is something that <laughs> everybody, everybody needs sees, to know. Yeah. So that leads us into Kane's story, A Mystery of Rooks. Basically goes like this. Rooks have enough of a language that humans can tell some of their calls apart. When a group of rooks, called a parliament of rooks, gets together, one of them stands in a clearing in the center. It's like a parliament. It looks like a tribe. When they fly off, sometimes they'll all fly off together, but sometimes they will all fall on the one that's in the center and peck it to death. And nobody knows why, or
1: if Cain knows, he's not spilling. Yeah. I looked it up. This is actually a thing that happens in nature. This is a real thing. It's very rarely occurring. I found a YouTube video of it. Oh, yeah? Of a parliament of rooks.
3: What happened at the end? Did they peck it to death? They killed
1: one. There's a video of them like, from a distance away, but they're all like swooping around on this one bird.
3: Whoa. And it's not just because
1: that one bird is usually like sick or elderly or something, but I like the result in this story better. Well, Which won't spoil right now, but it's pretty interesting. So
3: it's like a mercy killing.
1: Kind of, yeah, but they don't it's gang up like on euthanasia. it. It's like euthanasia. It's insane. I, I didn't know it was an actual thing. I thought it was like, oh, it was definitely just made up. Oh, yeah, I
3: thought too. That's
1: actually
0: in my will, as if I do become terminally... We ironic, should all peck you to death. ...viciously torn apart <laughs> by all yeah, of yeah, my yeah. friends.
2: <laughs>
0: Best
1: way to go out. Uh, next it is
0: Eve's turn to tell a story. Yeah, Cain kind of peer pressures her into it. Yeah, there's some great byplay between them here. I like that she says, I'm not your mother, Cain. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> And Kane says
1: You're everybody's mother. <laughs>
0: That's a matter of opinion. Yeah. <laughs> she says, I don't have any stories, and Kane says, Everybody has one story. That's sort of a classic game in line that I had lost for a long time. And I think mm-hmm. it's quoted pretty prominently in the Kingkiller
1: Chronicles.
3: We always end up talking about the King Killer Chronicles. This is the third time I've guested on this podcast, and the third time we have talked about the King Killer Chronicles.
1: The King Man Killer Chronicles?
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: and now Quoth meets his
0: greatest enemy, King Man.
2: <laughs>
0: but the story that she tells is very interesting. It turns out that. When Adam first existed in the garden, he was fused back to back, a male creature and a female creature.
3: And I looked this up. I'm sure like some of the rest of us did, but this is like a real thing. That some, particularly some rabbis believe, because apparently the word that they use to refer to Adam in the Torah, in Genesis, is best translated as it and them, rather than he. Also, Adam isn't a proper name in Hebrew. It's more accurately translated as the Adam, which means earth creature. And so there are really some rabbis that believe that this was how things went. Adam was an androgen. And some people say, well, yeah, but he was more like a set of conjoined male and female twins.
0: Yeah, he's drawn here looking very human-like, except for the part of being two things Conjoined. fused together. Yeah, But I had a professor once who talked about how Adam was sometimes envisioned as not like being made of flesh at all, but rather like being like made of clay, right. like, like a man <laughs> okay. in clay form. Eve quotes here. Male and female created he them, and he called their name Adam. Yeah, created he them. Eventually, God divides Adam into two beings... One male, one female, the male one gets to keep the name, the female one gets renamed Lilith.
3: And Lilith is Adam's first wife, but uh, there is very soon trouble in paradise, literally, because she is extremely dominant, and she is ultimately banished because she insists on being on top during sex.
0: She was powerful and intelligent. She was, after all, him. A female him. I hope that they're not sort of saying there that you have to be a him to be powerful and intelligent. More that they're just the same person and therefore equal, right right, that was perhaps the final straw. Lilith was expelled from Eden, and she planted her own garden. They say she copulated with demons or the sons of God, and she had many children. Adam was left alone so it's at
2: that
3: point that God creates the second wife
0: bones first.
3: Right. He builds her from the ground up out of scratch, basically bones, then muscle, then organs. I like how then snot is a
1: prominent ingredient. Snot. You,
3: gotta have, you can't have Snot's a person a, without snot. A woman,
1: especially. She needs her snot. Right?
3: <laughs> a woman <laughs> is nothing without her snot. Snot is a girl's best friend. Snot or not, right? <laughs> snot or snot
1: or not. I don't see that one becoming a well. Is, is.
0: is it true that after a thousand years, snot becomes a diamond?
3: <laughs> it is true. It is true. Put it under sufficient pressure? Yes. <laughs> But the problem is because Adam saw this whole process taking place and he saw all her gushy organs and her blood and her snot, he is, like, too horrified and grossed out to go near like, her. Oof.
1: yeah He saw her full of secretions and blood. That's what the Midrash states. Midrash is a thing.
3: Yes. Look up. You look this up, you go ahead and say well, it Well, it's an ancient
1: commentary on part of the Hebrew scriptures that was attached to the biblical text. These go back a really long way, all the way back to the 2nd century AD. So a lot of these ideas they're dealing with are, like, really ideas, like early Judaism...
2: Stuff, and so.
3: specifically what this midrash was supposed to explain was why God had to make Adam fall asleep before he made Eve. Now, me, my evangelical Christian upbringing, I always assumed it was because God was going to take a rib out of him and it was going to hurt. It's like, so surgery, it was like right? It's like anesthesia. Yeah. Oh. But apparently by this story, it was so he wouldn't watch Eve being made and wouldn't be horrified like he is with this second wife. Yeah,
0: yeah there's a really powerful panel here of like she's looking at him and there's just tears running down her face as he like rejects her. And Eve kind of brings it home, brings it up to date here. Bodies are strange. Some people have real problems with the
1: stuff that goes on inside them. And we're all just a bunch of um, sticky, gross tubes,
3: you know. Yeah, well, Adam's a bit squeamish. Know, but that's all yeah, bad,
0: I mean. you can kind of see his penis here, and he's not looking too happy with what he's no. seeing in front of him.
3: Looks oh, yeah. a little shriveled up. Yeah, he's not. He's not <laughs> eager to use that anytime soon. These, These comics are for like adults.
0: The, the word
1: shrivel for wieners. four
3: seconds.
1: <laughs> 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 nudity and wieners.
3: Yes. <laughs>
1: especially wieners.
0: <laughs> so Matthew asks, "What happened to her?"
3: Right, and Eve says, opinions differ. Most say God destroyed her. A few have claimed that she was permitted to leave the garden alone.
0: So God knocks Adam out, and while he's out, creates Eve. God God is also really good at splinter cell.
3: (laughs) (laughs) This is another interesting thing that I read. Apparently, Eve, in the original translation, the proper version of the Bible, was not made from a rib. She was taken from Adam's side rather than from Ooh. his rib. And the old French words are like very, very similar. One is C-O-T-E and one is C-O-T-E with an accent mark. Oh, it was it's a mistranslation. It's right? a mistranslation.
0: Yeah. Oh, jeez. I'm kind of impressed you guys were all looking this stuff up. I just like assumed that Neil Gaiman was making it all up as he went I did
3: all, the wow. first time I read it. I just know he goes,
1: pulls from mythology a lot. He pulls from like stories of the world and he does a lot of, you know, research yeah
0: is there a version of this i could be making this up where that's used to explain why humans don't have a baculum a penis bone oh because it was taken out to make eve oh i hope i didn't just make that, Ooh, that up. oh that would be incredible that's a good legend right
2: there
0: yeah. i started a
3: new religion right is all wiener bones this is we're just we're just
0: <laughs> we're just trying to be explain the x-men now talking about penis bones <laughs> on our podcast yeah 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 Please, I don't try to talk about penis bones on my podcast. It just comes up. <laughs> Listeners, the number of times that we have had to edit out huge Sean rants about penis bones, <laughs> you don't even know. He'll go on for 30, 45 minutes. <laughs> just talking about Scout Bakula. So we got the oh, that's three that's wives that. here, and we basically know what happens after the third wife, which is to say Eve. They eat from the tree of life, they get kicked out. Because,
3: what's the line? Well, because they ate the fruit of the tree of good and evil, which would give them knowledge of good and evil.
0: Oh, here's the line. They are no
3: longer innocent.
0: And they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and knowing good from evil, they were no longer in paradise. In Genesis, it states that God expelled them because he was scared. Scared that having disobeyed him once, they'd disobey him again. They'd eat of the tree of life and live forever like gods, endless. Adam and Eve lived together until death parted them. Now, she says, some view this story as truth and some as metaphor. But, she says, but this is true. Adam had three wives. And we see them all lined up here. It's the Hecate. Lilith with her demon children, (laughs) the second wife, who Eve describes as the virgin, and Eve, who lived to be older than any woman, who in the end did not die, but retreated to her cave. Yeah, so we've got a maiden, a mother, and a crone. But some say Adam married only once, and they speak truly, too. Cain says with a yawn,
1: wasn't that nice? A little piece of family history. Like flipping through the pages of a family album. Makes me go all soft and gooey inside. Just like you, eh, half-wit? Talking to good old Abel. Poor Abel. Who's his turn now. Yeah, now Abel is
0: shy about telling a story because he says he's not good with children. One of the stories that Kane suggests as he's bullying him to tell a story is the wolf boy and his lady love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I noticed that. Colbert. We heard that just a minute ago. Come on, Blubberball. This is the House of Secrets, isn't it? So tell him a secret. And so
2: he does.
0: I also like that as Kane is hamming it up on this page, Daniel is playing with the the rat skull, the skull from Matthew's rat, yeah, which is also the skull on the cover.
1: And it's oh not like yeah, 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 yeah. And Kane takes it from
0: him and eats it. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> sticks in his mouth like a like a crunchy potato chip. It's great. I like Abel's story a lot. It's, it uh, it's, is so
3: kawaii. It's also kind
1: of tragic though, too. It's like it's like this cuteness, but this darkness underneath it all, which is perfect for him as
3: a yes. character. Yeah. So here we go. No, this is this is like very 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 cute.
0: He keeps saying kawaii, and I wrote the word chibi, which, which I, chibi,
3: yeah. I actually don't
0: really know what either of the words means. Yeah. So I just kind of ka- know what they do. Kawaii.
3: Is <laughs> just cute just means cute and then chibi is anytime they do this what used to be called super deformed where they just make big, them small oh, with right. the big head
0: okay so kawaii is like anything cute and chibi is specifically like an art style okay. yeah okay. exactly gotcha. so
3: yeah so we see little baby death and little baby dream as little chibis it's like muppet sure. babies but sandman yep. the little endless yeah yes. little
1: endless.
3: so death and dream went walking after they were just born so, Kane is disgusted by this description because, as he points out, none of them looked like that back then. They didn't even look human. But Abel says it's his story, so, you know, Kane they're, can just F off.
1: They're cheapies if they want them to be, brother.
3: Yes. <laughs>
0: what are you trying to feed the child? Sanitized pablum? Little death? Lil' Morpheus?
3: Revolting! I love it. <laughs> So, as little Death and little Morpheus are walking around, they happen upon two brothers fighting. And this is little Cain and little Abel.
1: And they're fighting like Looney Tunes with like a smoke cloud and a bunch of stars and lightning gets <laughs> yep. coming out of there. It's
3: very, very cute. There's also a cute little chibi sheep. Yeah, a little of, of carrots and in apples. The side. Uh-huh. Yes. And so, as many people know from the Bible, Abel had offered God sheep, essentially a blood sacrifice, so that's not how Abel presents it in his cute version of the story, and Cain had given vegetables, but God preferred the sheep, and according to Abel, that's because it was all funny and fluffy and white, and then Cain interrupts to say that the Lord liked the sheep because
1: because it was warm steaming meat it was a bleeding sacrifice you bloody idiot you can't even get your own story right this is my story i tell it my way he's making kind of a cute version for the kid
3: now after the fight which notably does not result in abel's death in this version death goes over to abel and says he should come play in her garden you
1: were saying (laughs) what doesn't with death in this version
3: you know well it sort of does
1: (laughs) It's, it's cutesy, Death. It's yeah. cutesy, Death. Death just it's walks like, up there yes. and says, you gotta come with me.
0: You gotta it. come yeah. with me.
3: Let's go play. Yeah.
0: You should come over to my house. <laughs> yes. I got a trampoline. <laughs>
3: yeah. But then Dream makes a counteroffer, offers Abel a job in his garden instead, telling stories. And Abel says that he thinks he would like that. So Abel gets a house from Death, but soon he's lonely. It's a dream, right? Yes, so he goes to Dream's palace and he asks for a friend. And then when he gets back home, Cain is living in the house next door, looking very cute and very friendly and very happy to see his little brother. And as Abel says, they live next door from that day to this, happily ever after. They have really cute panels on this
1: page. I love walking up to Dream's palace, and there's like, you know, a eunuch or like a Pegasus in the air, and there's like little, little Gregory. He's very cute and. You got a panel of Dream, who's, like, this little chibi guy with black eyes and sparkles and coming out of them. Oh, oh, yeah. These are two of Morpheus's three guardians. Right, right, right. Before. Yeah.
0: yeah, I also really like this panel the of, like, one. of Cain uh, and Abel, like, really happily hugging. They look Aww, so cute. Oh
1: yeah. But Cain so, has an opinion on the story as well. Mm-hmm. That was undoubtedly the most meretricious garbage I've ever heard. Hey,
0: Abel, you know something? When you tell stories, you don't stutter. Really? I, uh, noticed. That's cute. Cain is picking at the fire with a poker, and Matthew jumps in to ask if all this biblical stuff is true. I mean, how true is it? Are you guys the real Cain and Abel? Are you the real Eve? And I mean, how does it all tie in with the caveman and the dinosaurs and all that shit?
2: Oh,
1: this wasn't on Earth, then. Shut up! What's the point of having secrets and mysteries if you're going to blab them to every Tom Witt, Dickie, Bird, and harrier? It's great. I, lo- I love those.
3: <laughs> yes, Tom Whit, Dickie Bird, and Harrier.
0: Right, they're all they're all birds because he's yeah. talking to a bird, mm-hmm. blabbing to the birds. Yeah, Kane says. Next thing you know, you'll be telling them the secret of the Parliament of Rooks, and he sort of dares him to. And Abel's like, I could if I w- wanted to. And Kane pulls the poker from the fire and tells everybody the party is over and they're all getting out. <laughs> yeah, he's like ready to kill his brother now. I can mean. I just
3: say it's a little irresponsible of them to leave? Because they know oh, they that as definitely... soon as they leave, Abel's going to get murdered. But then again, it happens all the time. come back so... tomorrow. So, It'll be yeah, fine.
0: Yeah. But Abel, before he sends Daniel off, he tells him you can come back whenever you like. I think Goldie likes you. Also irresponsible to bring a baby around a murderer. Yeah definitely, kind of yeah, definitely.
3: Definitely. But yeah. that's par for the course in the dreaming, I guess.
1: <laughs> he only kills one person, though every time the same person (laughs) yeah
0: so eve is carrying daniel and matthew away and then abel sticks his head out the window calls out to them the uh work in the middle of the field is a storyteller it's telling the rest of them in a story and when it finishes it finds out whether they uh liked the story it told death or exile those are the two choices (laughs) and he is then brought down by a fiery slash
1: from out of sight yeah. Cain really tears into him. He said, like, you told him. I told you not to tell him, and you told him. It was my mystery, and you gave it away. And Kane's like, but Cain, it's not one of the big secrets. It's not important. That's not the point. It's very, like, intense. Yes. I keep telling you, it's the mystery that endures, not the explanation. A good mystery can last forever. The mysterious corpse has a magic all its own. He brings the poker
0: down and kills Abel and throws him into the fireplace. Yeah. He tells him it's for his own good. Which, uh, what a dick.
1: But it's his turn to do dinner tomorrow, so exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he tells him he tells him they'll peck you to pieces if you tell them. Yeah. And then yeah, I'll see you tomorrow, it's your turn to make dinner as he leaves.
3: <laughs> Late bro.
1: They have a real messed up relationship.
0: Fire yeah, awesome. mono. So that resounds with the end of two issues ago of the hunt, right? The mm-hmm. end the uh, the dream is more interesting than the resolution. Exactly. Get back to Lyda. Yeah. Back on Earth, Lyda looks at her watch. It's time for Danny's Dindins. <laughs> she goes and gets Daniel. She asks him if he had a nice dream. And as she picks him up, she finds a raven feather in his crib. Is it a raven feather or is it a rook feather? Eh, that's a good question. I assumed it was Matthew's. Okay. I thought maybe it was like, I thought a Rook would be more on theme, but, you know.
2: They're all Corvids. And, uh, Not to be racist, they're all the same bird.
0: Also, I main Rook in uh, Rainbow Six Siege. Okey doke. So, <laughs> so and, it's gotta be Rook. And uh, Lida closes out the issue.
3: Looking at the feather, she goes, a dirty old feather? Tch, where on earth did you get this from, kids? <laughs> Little mysteries, all of you. Like I said, Danny boy, you get everywhere. like that issue yeah that
0: was uh, one of my very favorite issues of the series yeah i think it was definitely my favorite of the ones we covered today interesting work expanding the mythology of the sandman by having eve Cain, and abel hang out and talk about their origins yeah it's also just it's you know it's three folks telling stories and they're interesting stories yeah i like it
3: they're stories that as residents of a western nation where the population is predominantly christian we kind of know already but then they throw in a bunch of stuff that i did yeah, not know other myths
1: and folklore and biblical writings and i think it's interesting i think it's really cool yeah i, I really
0: enjoy the way that sandman like intersects with historical figures mm-hmm. um, you know especially in this particular tpb and we have a reminder as well to keep an eye on lyda and daniel uh,
3: might yes be might be important later on maybe
1: very important.
3: Oh, you're back. Where'd you come from this time? Your mouth. Oh!
1: <laughs> 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 Didn't see me in there, did you?
3: No, gaming. You, you, you taste like 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 cinnamon and Bengay.
1: <laughs> Does
0: it taste like there's a cat in there too? Because I'm yeah, afraid there's of his some. Cat. There's
3: some definitely. There's some. Oh, there's the cat. Mm.
1: That's what I call a hairball. You <coughs> charm a bit of dream humor for you.
0: I see you're getting comfortable, Neil Gaiman. Oh, you're, yes, you're, I... You've begun
1: punning. Ha ha ha. That's my style, right? I'm always comfortable. Except when I was writing this one, because it reminded me of a very stressful time in my life.
3: What stressful time is that? The time I
1: faced the Parliament of Rooks. As you know, I'm a master storyteller, dreamweaver, spinner of dark delights. <laughs> you told a story to the Parliament of Rooks? Not just any Rooks. The Rookmen... The man-rooks. Men with rooks' heads. I took a wrong turn Oh, no, sort at, of like in Rainbow Six Siege? I don't know what that is. <laughs> Unless you dreamed about it, which case I, I know everything about it. <laughs> I took a wrong turn at Albuquerque, and I ended up in the kingdom of the rookmen. And they said, tell me a story! And I said, okay, I will. And I began to talk, but I, I didn't know where my story was going. I just told the longest story I could think of. And I kept telling it and telling it. I believe it's what you call in your American politics filibustering.
0: <laughs> so... Did they end up killing you, or did they just fly off without you? Here's the
1: trick, Vertigai. I brought along some trail mix from the petrol station, and I ate it a little bit at a time. And after a matter of years, they had all died, and I was the only one left. And that story became American Gods. How? It was long. (laughs)
0: Holy cow! (laughs) I think we just implied that uh, American Gods didn't know where it was going at the beginning.
1: (laughs) I was not implying that at all, but you might be right.
3: (laughs) So, when you were telling this story, did you get to say it in English or did you have to be like, ha, ha, ta, ta. I did, it took twice as
1: long because I said it first in English, then I translated it into into the COVID men language. Oh, I see. Yes, and so it was several years of talking. <laughs> that trail mix lasted a long time. Thank God for petrol, whatever that is. <laughs> it's English gasoline, I think you'd call it. Not that I ever use a car, heavens no. So, I mean, your portals pretty much obviate the need for that. It's pretty good, yes that's why I'm back, partially, is to take
3: these two back with them to their podcast. Oh my god, Neil. We can, honestly, we can just Please, take public Neil, transportation. Neil. We can walk. We will Seriously, walk. Seriously, I'll, oh.
1: I'll get like a, a, a Uber or something. No, no, no.
0: Well, before Neil Gaiman takes you away, can you tell our listeners where they can find your stuff?
1: Sure. Yeah, we do What's Lightsabers Precious? And that's all over the internet. SoundCloud, iTunes, or Apple Podcasts, I guess it's called. We have social media presence, which Joanna can talk about.
3: Yeah, sure. Um, We're on Facebook and Twitter. If you just search What's Lightsabers Precious, we're the only thing that comes up. Yep. And you can also email us at what'slightsabersprecious at gmail.com. Yeah. Ryan, what's it about? It's about
1: Lord of the Rings and Star Wars. Joanna teaches me something about Lord of the Rings every week, and I teach her something about Star Wars every week. Her part's always very educational and good, and my part's always very stupid. So you should definitely give it a listen if you like either of those things, or you just want to be cool. You want to be a cool kid, right?
0: I sure do. Thanks so much for coming, Joanna and Ryan. Thanks so much for coming, Neil Gaiman.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for having them. Babysitting is very expensive these days, so (laughs) I appreciate the time you took to keep them busy.
3: Wait a minute, Neil Gaiman. You're not our
1: dad. Yeah, you're not my dad. I'm more than that. I'm your dream daddy. Come with me into the
3: portal.
0: Neil Gaiman is kind of all of our dream daddy.
3: <laughs> oh, all right, then. I guess Bye, there's no guys, choice. Bye, guys. Over. Thanks for coming by.
1: Farewell, and happy dreaming. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Vertigize is written and hosted by me and Sean. Our music is by Kelly Joyce Fielder. Sean produces the show. I handle social media. If you like our show, you should check out our website at vertigize.blueberry.com. That's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y. We've got lots more episodes, plus show notes on every episode. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at Vertigize on Twitter. I am at BlankCastSean on Twitter. Drop us a line at vertiguys at gmail.com with listener questions, which we would be happy to answer on the air. Also, remember to send us your opinions on Vertiguys Phase 2, because the end of Sandman, Hellblazer, and Preacher are coming up fast. If you're listening to this show on iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, uh, Stitcher, what have you, we would love it if you would leave us a positive rating and review. Those really help people to find the show. Yeah, spread the word about guys. But as always, thanks for listening. Thanks,
1: everybody. Sorry, I left my cat here. Oh, Jesus, that cat!
2: <laughs> calm down, calm down. Okay, don't calm oh, down, it's fine.